dead crickets our floor is a cricket graveyard at this point yeah it's a pretty sweet song title dead cricket graveyard dead cricket i suck at lows it sounds like it sounds like something that i wouldn't listen to oh you'd love it dead cricket graveyard blast beats coming in My favorite. It's my claim to fame right there. The cheek flap death metal growl. I mean, it's more impressive than anything that I could do. But I do want to clarify. Well, if you could do that with your vagina, that would be more impressive. I think that I technically could if I got enough air up there. Would it sound exactly like that? I think... the majority of vaginas are high pitched. I think I think most vaginas are soprano. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it, hello. <laughs> so like a fart. I mean, it's a pussy fart. Oh, we're talking pussy farts here. I thought we were just. I guess it would technically be a pussy fart. It's still air expelling from the vagina. But That's, I was talking like yeah. huge gusts of wind. Just I mean, what would you call air coming out of your butt? I guess that's butt? just a giant queef. A giant fart. Yeah. Uh, I, it's sound. You win. It wasn't an argument my, or anything. My flaw. Oh, it usually is in my head. <laughs> I can tell <laughs> because I'm just talking about it. Listen up, Trump's gonna win, all right. Once again, like I tried to do, I want to clarify that we're not just weirdos that have dead crickets everywhere. It's because we have one one cat in particular that is a tremendously successful and talented. And I just I'm just trying to you know push his business and advertise for him. Plays the um, violin like nobody else. Let me tell you, he's a fucking great killer of crickets and any fucking insects that come in at all he's a great cock paul uh some p i hit the goddamn table when i when i need to attach this to something that's not the table, the table I and know. then i would be fine yeah, yeah we'll figure it out anyway sorry people um <clears throat> i need to just not yeah, touch you're it. catching your breath i need to just not touch the table and chill out bro so yeah the cats are just really good at killing bugs, but he doesn't. It's Paul. It's bathroom attendant, uh, sweetheart, Dorito nose, Paul. And he doesn't eat most of them. He just, well, at least not the crickets. He just bats them around. He bats around their corpses and plays with them. So, do you think he bats them around too in the same way he bats around their corpses and that's what kills them? He doesn't just like stomp them out real quick do you think it's just like repeated beatings to the head so the cricket's just like for a second like ow that hurt ow that really hurt oh oh my god brain damage i'm dead it's not super fast it's a little torturous because cats it's a little biting from what i see they they go hard and then they back off and they they almost like watch it die let the animal try and fight and Come then, on, bitch, kid up! And it's almost like the determination to want to live makes it taste better when it dies. I don't know. So, But, I mean, I saw him just a little bit ago. He cats. was batting around a dead carcass because I don't always immediately clean them up because 
they're fucking i mean it's from one night to the next morning they're multiple i saw him beating around a dead baby the other day it was wild so what you're saying is cats are basically pennywise like they're not all like that they soak the bug with fear or at least our cat soaks the bug with fear of dying and then i think oliver that does makes that it too sweeter. oh they're evil Kit Kat, I don't know that Kit Kat gets too involved. I've never seen him go after bugs like the other ones because he's missing a leg and he just doesn't really have that fight in him. Do you think they communicate with each other and they're like, hey, bug, front room, go, 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 go. No. Or is it like, this one's mine. Fuck those guys. No, I think Paul is really dominant and he, he goes harder than Oliver does. He That's why he's better. And Kit Kat goes like this, right? Mm, okay. I think he goes, I'm fucking crippled. I'm crippled. And I can't, I just can't maintain. I'm literally, it's like trying to, I don't know. It's trying to swing a bat with one arm. It's It's not successful. It's less, you're going to be a lot less successful. Maybe, but. Don't say maybe, it's correct. You need more stabilization. Unless that's all you've ever done and you have nothing to compare it to. Because right. you never had another arm. All right, you win again. All right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why does it always have to be like this? And then you just stress me out. And then people are like, God, Michelle's. She always gets so annoyed. It's yeah, like, people are always saying that. Yeah. All the time. That happens all the time. It does. Topic of conversation, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. So, what do we do here, Michelle? Well, first of all, my name is Michelle. Nice to meet you. Hi. Nice to meet you. My name is Sam. And we are married. Oh, we are. Yes, 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 yes. That's disgusting. This game that you're playing. This pretend. (laughs) This game. All right. This yes, indeed. Oh, right. This is swell. Yes, that's correct. We are. Oh, oh, I had no idea we were married. (laughs) Was was I talking like a. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Like I was on a safari? I had no idea that we were married, lovey. Yes, let's go to the yacht. If that's where you want to be. Thanks for the new character, by the way. All right, now let's go. You just sound like that. You sound like Cameron. Just, who's Cameron? From Fer- Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He was also in Spin City. Ferris. You don't. The friend whose dad has yes, the car. I, know. <laughs> I don't know that guy's name. Oh, it's getting close to Robin Leach. Yeah, it kind of is. Hello. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. That was terrible. That guy's name is Gerald Stevenson. Alan Ruck. Alan Ruck, of course. Gerald Stevenson. Sorry. So but once again, we introduced ourselves. Yeah, Tell I was getting ready to. Do. I was just getting ready to do that. You bossy bitch. <laughs> so we are a couple of people, and we listen to stuff. Or we watch things, and we critique it, we give our opinions, we talk about it. We're a review podcast of media. And we have no credentials. None of this means anything. And we're wrong sometimes, and that's fine. all the time. We are on Facebook. If you want to tell us that we're wrong, please do. We encourage encourage the hate and the internet discord. (laughs) <laughs> because that's, that's tear this country apart oh my god I, I i'm so exhausted 
someone uh, uh, was just being awful. Oh, we got an uh out of this. It was earlier. No, it's because the... So we're recording this like right before it comes out. I haven't been wanting to record the episode because we haven't had anything banked for a while. And we're always like talking about this. Like <clears throat> we're just not really prepared to do this. So this is late. I do apologize for that. I feel like I need to say that up front. Uh, but the ruling did just come out. <clears throat> that they're not going to charge any of the police officers in the death of Brianna Taylor. So, <sighs> internet comments are just rough sometimes. So, there's just th- this guy who is just being ridiculous. And I commented with no emotion. Just He, he said that he thinks that the cops should do the right thing and shoot rioters in Louisville tonight. Hmm. Sounds like a good guy. Then I just said that cop shooting unarmed people is the exact thing that's constantly being brought up right now. <laughs> like that's the whole reason why this all is happening. Uh, and then he called me a troll and told me that my life doesn't matter and just all kinds of stuff and just like went crazy. And I, I just, <laughs> I, I don't understand why people like, I get it. Like, uh. Excuse me. <clears throat> Shit sucks right now for most people, not everyone. Uh, some people, you know, and you can be positive and be like, well, you know, I still have whatever. Things directly aren't affecting me. But, you know, the world is in fucking shambles. At least America is fucking wild right now. And the fact that people constantly want to just throw gasoline on the fire and fight with people who they don't even know just to, like, spread more hate... It's so fucking unnecessary and exhausting. Like, I don't know why people, and it's everywhere. Like, if you say anything, even if it's not mean to anybody, someone is ready to rip you apart and try and attack you personally. (laughs) And it's just like, you don't know me. I don't know you. Like, why does it have to go here? People are fucking nuts. That's all. But do be mean to us, like she said. (laughs) i'm just saying realistically though oh i've been wanting to work that fart out for a while and it finally came i'm sure no one heard it but i did it was a relief you feel better i truly do it's a great thing farts are hilarious and they're great on the body they feel good good and great yeah they're a release they feel good so i read today by the way because the internet isn't all bad um i did find out i was like I want to know why I start getting so gassy when I have to shit. Like, why why does that happen to the human body? Okay. And it's because your your muscles are contracting and moving the poop through because it's it's ready to come out. So it's moving through, and of course, as that happens, air gets pushed through as well. Yeah. So that's all it is. It's common sense. It's just that your muscles are contracting. So if you want to know what came first, was the fart or the poop, your muscles aren't contracting to move farts out. They're moving poop and gas is just in there. Gas just happens because air, bro. And space, yo. Same with the vagina. The colon hooks up to the vagina. Poop pushes air through. The air goes the into vagina? the vagina and it comes out. That is definitely how that works. Exactly. How else would it happen? <sighs> Makes no sense to me. Oh, my God. All right. 
You know what my solution to the internet thing is? Is don't talk to anybody on it. I mean, you don't even have to talk. You can just see what people say to each other. Oh, yeah. Like, in the, I mean, it, be, someone saying that your life doesn't matter and calling you a troll is nothing compared to what people say. But it's just like, it's so useless that the first thing that is said to me is like, fuck you, basically. Yeah, yeah well, I mean... I mean, they got it right, you useless troll. <laughs> I just don't understand living like that and just constantly attacking people you don't know. You're not supposed to understand. So You're not going to understand. I guess you just go, eh. The reason for bringing this up is that here we're friends. I mean, you may even say that we're family. So it's different when you have those discussions with people who mean something to you. We're not strangers. We are your friends or your family. So on the internet, if you want to talk to us like that and call us a bunch of libtards and tell us that we need to uh, go back to where we came from, that's fine. Couple of Critics Podcast on Facebook. <laughs> All right. A very long-winded way of saying that. <laughs> All right. So this this is a little different. We usually listen to albums, but... I wanted to give Sam a movie that he has seen parts of probably forever, or at least since internet clips have been in your life, from me at least. But you've seen parts of the movie Misery, but you've never actually seen it. Have Correct. you seen a lot of the Stephen King adaptations or only just like the few big ones? I don't know. I think I'd have to go through and really think of them. Like I've seen all the it's. I've seen. Uh, have you? I haven't seen Dark Tower, but I watched a bunch of clips of it on YouTube. Have you seen many of the TV movies other than it? I think so. I remember the Langoliers. Yeah, I've definitely seen the Langoliers. I remember. Uh, I think was Tommy Knockers. Tommy Knockers was one? one. Jimmy Smith's was in it. Um, I've of only seen parts it of was that. Was the TV one? Uh, I've seen all the Shinings. I think I've seen a bunch of, but there's a lot of Stephen King ones that I don't even. I'm like, oh fuck, those aren't. I forgot those are even Stephen King, or I didn't even know that they were Stephen King. <clears throat> so getting into this, I thought it was crazy when I found out that this was directed by uh, Rob Reiner. Of course, it's written by Stephen King, but it was directed by Rob Reiner, and I was like, that's wild. And then I found out that the reason why. He directed it was because Stephen King had him direct Stand By Me a few years before. Okay. And he thought that he did such a good job and he was such a good director that he thought he would be the best person to do a psychological thriller type movie. I've never seen. Even though he had never done anything like that, really. I've never seen Stand By Me either. I've only seen it once. And there's only one part in the movie, at least, that's. uh creepy but i assume it's it's creep it's not really creepy but it's it's unfortunate <laughs> I, it's creepy uh but it's creepier if you're a guy and that's because the boys they go swimming in a pond and then they realize that they're like covered leeches in leeches and on and they get like on their one boy he pulls it off and he has blood all over his hand and he passes out oh was it on his balls it was i mean on like, his you don't balls, see it right i don't know so, Rob Reiner, you're surprised that he directed this. I was just because he's not usually someone who would direct 
something that's considered a horror movie. It's suspense horror. It's yeah. not gore horror. It's an in-your-head, think-about-stuff thriller. I mean, he directed a lot of stuff. But not stuff but like not that. not stuff like that. That's no. what I mean. Yeah. So I was surprised because I hadn't realized that. And I own the movie, Misery, but I never... You know, I just, I've never been someone, and I've said this before, who gets into things like directors. It's never been my thing to go down. Oh, okay. Like, because I guess I don't learn the style of directors necessarily. Unless it's obvious, I suppose. Maybe like the top guys, like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. Or uh, Martin Scorer's but even that, so I again, I listened to Jim and Sam in the morning, and they were talking about oh, what is his fucking name? He did, um, he did Clockwork Orange, Stu, uh, Stanley, Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick, yeah, he did The Shining. And I looked up his movies, yeah, and he has not, he ha- had not done nearly as many movies as I assumed that he would have done, yeah being as beloved as he is it's just, it's just that people like the movies that he did yes the stuff he did is so fucking good <laughs> yeah do you like any stanley kubrick movies do you know any besides obviously clockwork <sighs> orange i like i've never been able to get through a clockwork orange because of the beginning i've tried twice of the rape action yeah it's yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal the assault is very brutal and the whole thing because it's just supposed to be a bunch of punk ass guys like yep. Who don't give a shit, and it's it's brutal. Anarchy, and I just, man. I don't like it because it's it's also slow and torturous the way they do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that Stanley Kubrick touch, baby. What about uh, original Shining? Do you like the original Shining? I own it, so yes, <laughs> so I do. Yes, um, I've never seen Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey. Ah, oh, fucking amazing! But movie. people love it. Oh, I love that movie. He did Full Metal Jacket, okay. which is what got me thinking of him because Matthew Modine was on. <laughs> Matthew Modine, yes. When <clears throat> he was on uh, Sam and Jim. He did Eyes Wide Shut, which was not a good movie. Never saw it. Dr. Strangelove, I've never seen it, but uh, it's a 64 it. movie. It so seems to be entertaining. I'm just not usually into movies that came out in the 60s. Have you ever seen that scene of a guy riding like a nuclear bomb? I know what he looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen that part yeah. in clips and stuff, but I I don't know it. Um, but things like Spartacus. Like I've he also He did a lot in the 60s and in the 50s, too. So it's stuff I just don't know anything about. Wasn't Stanley Kubrick the dude that was working on a AI and he died? I don't know. I don't see. I anything think that like happened. That. I sound stupid in to the media, the the movie media? people. First, being critics, I don't know a fucking thing about anything. But uh, well, you don't have to be anything. You don't have to be established. And I already told everyone. Uh, my opinion means nothing. So yeah, from the looks of it, if I actually click on, I was just looking on Google. If I go to his actual IMDb and click on his filmography, he directed sixteen total things. That's it. But he had a touch, baby. And the whole point of you talking about this was... Is the touch that I've never noticed. Like, it's the thing. Like, I don't... For me personally, I've seen Eyes Wide Shut. I've seen Full Metal Jacket. I've seen The Shining. Those are the only three I've seen all the way through out of his movies. And to me, there's no connection between them. The way that it's shot, I I don't see it. Because they're three totally different fucking movies. 
but I've only seen Eyes Wide Shut once and didn't <clears throat> like it. I'm not sure if it's a style in a way of like he's going to put the same kind of shots in. I think it's <clears throat> tonally of like attention to detail and like a love for dialogue and things like yeah. that. Yeah, I know, because like Tarantino, for example, is known for being very uh, talky. Fuck, personally, I can spot a Tarantino movie from 10 fucking miles away. Isn't that the majority? As soon as one character's on screen for more than 20 seconds saying full sentences, you're like, oh, yeah, it's Quentin. I mean, because it, it's, it's like half of... um, God, I, was, I forgot it after... Like Reservoir Dogs, half of that is just sitting at a table in conversation, right? Or does that not last as long as I think it does? Uh, it's not half of it, but most of it is. And then there's also that Death Proof movie. And a guy riding around in a car and then a guy sitting on a chair. In Death Proof, it's a lot of people just sitting around in driving. a bar talking for a while. And then a driving s- stuff. Yeah, but I mean, there's a really lengthy bit he of time in the beginning. Take his fucking time, With man. just character building even he if likes it's not characters in. that's his thing and feet characters he, and feet. He likes characters feet do you think he likes feet dressed up like characters from movies no he wants to see every centimeter of that foot every piece of that toe oh he's gotta imagine glazing that toe because it's not really the foot itself so much as that it's the toes right i don't know i don't have a thing for feet and it ha- well i mean i guess it probably is partially the shape and because like i have wide feet that kind of look more like my dad's than my mom's. So, the widest feet I've ever fucking seen. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I have a wide stature, so my feet are wide because it has to carry what is my wide hips. All right, so let's talk about this movie that came out in 1990. Um, it was called Misery, like you said. It Yes, and it is based off of the book. Uh, the the two main people in the movie because it doesn't have a huge cast, no cast. Uh, but the two main characters that most people know are James Con himself. You know what I like to call him? Jimmy Con. Nope. This is a Star Trek reference. James Con and Kathy Bates. And you know this- what I like to call her? This is a Star Trek reference. Kathy Bates. I was really hoping you'd pull something random out. It would be smarter if you did something else instead of doing the same joke twice. Just so you know. Anyway, so... Uh, move along, ma'am. Don't interrupt me and then tell me to move. Isn't that the thing that pissed move. you off the last podcast? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is in general, but especially yeah. if you fucking stop me <laughs> and then tell me to move along. All right, move along. Let's keep this going. I don't like this anymore. (laughs) Kathy Bates was, uh, she was the star. She was new. She, you said she was 42. 42. And was she new technically? uh, I mean, I don't think she had done a lot. God, I feel something brewing. It felt like a bold statement to say she was new. Maybe people were like, fuck yeah, Kathy Bates is in this. I mean, and I unfortunately, th- James Caan. I feel like it was newer for her, but I could be wrong. But I would like to check that. Oh, God. She's acted in 126 things. Of course she is. Take she's that fucking Stanley Kathy Kubrick. Bates. 
Okay, so take that Stanley Cooper. I'm <laughs> sure he would have loved to work with Kathy Bates. So it's definitely not the first thing that she did, but she did a lot of um, TV and then like small parts and things. But it looks like the first thing that really she was in Dick Tracy. But yeah, Never I think seen that. I think her first real real starring role where she was the main character is what it looks like, 1990. She started in 84, is in Misery. Misery. So this is 1990. 1990 is when it came out. Jimmy Khan and Kathy Bates are the two main characters. I think that that's important to mention them. I would say, because we're already talking about them for a little bit. That's the crux of the biscuit. What was? Do you know what the first thing that you were introduced to Kathy Bates with? Or through, I think I uh, was this just knowing that just this existed? knowing this movie existed. I mean, it's got. I mean, we all know it's got the hobbling scene, and it uh, that permeated society. It seemed. Like, s- I think I remember kind of like parodies of it, like for a couple of years after, and seeing like snippets of her face, and then even growing up and being into horror movies, mm-hmm. Misery is was referenced. You know. So it's just like a classic. I wasn't thing. in the dark about misery even before like Word Mojo took over and they played scenes from it all the fucking time. So I mean, but do you think the first thing that you officially saw her in was like the Water Boy? Like watched her, watched her in. Yeah, as like Bobby Boucher's mom. I mean, that's a pretty good bet. Cause she, did you see Titanic when it came out? Yeah. So she was in, in that, theater. but she was in a, a small role. She was a bigger role, I would say. As Mama Boucher in The Waterboy. I mean, I definitely saw both of those movies in theater. I did not like that movie. What, Waterboy? Yeah. I wouldn't expect you to like Waterboy. I don't think I would like Waterboy right now. Did you say that you have seen Dolores Claiborne? Or you have not? No. Isn't that another Stephen King thing? It is. It sure is. And it has Jennifer Jason Lee in it. No, I've never seen Dolores Claiborne. Is that who it is? I believe that's I think for is. some reason I have like this memory of Kathy Bates kind of like yeah, that's Jennifer Jason creeping Lee. me out and like didn't want to like watch her do stuff because she, she was like a morbid like in this movie when she make, like, makes like the deadpan I'm crazy or like super depressed faces she's like repelling to me like I have this feeling in my gut like oh, I don't want to be around that person at all like, just the face that thing walked in, I'd be like, blah. <laughs> That's just- not like I'm not saying she's ugly. She just, she's obviously such a good actress that when, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping ahead here because we haven't talked about the getting in the movie at all or anything, but when she's like super depressed and she's talking about the rain and her face fucking goes yeah, super down, it's like, <laughs> it looks real, man. She just has a good, uh, serious face, I guess. I think my introduction to her would have been Fried Green Tomatoes. Ah, yeah. I remember that, too. And that came out a year after this. I didn't this. see it, but I remember being in it. Her name was Evelyn Couch, and there was a whole thing about her being fat and her trying to lose weight and be a better person. Gotcha. Now, what about James Conn? What about him? I don't... Isn't James Conn like some... Yeah, historic actor so, that I know nothing about. James Caan was in a lot of like serious movies before this. He was fifty, by the way, 
this when they filmed movie? What Misery. Do mean, what do you mean serious? No, I, I don't. I guess I mean serious. Like he was in The Godfather. Okay. Uh, also, never seen that. So he, I've never seen it either. But God, 134. He has more acting credits. He's still acting. I didn't know Jimmy Conn was oh, still yeah. fucking acting. Good for him. I always thought he was good. Um, Prego Land. His name's James Conn, not James Cant. So it looks like he... That was pretty good. He did a lot of TV. It looks like he did westerns and shiz back in the day. Uh... And they started getting Brian's song is a TV movie. I don't know what that is. But yeah, he was in The Godfather. Godfather Part 2. I mean, he was in things that I guess I just don't. I'm also just not wasn't as in our world. It's not in my world. But he was in my world with this movie. I think that this. Because I, my dad had this movie, so this is something that I did see when I was a little bit younger. He was also in Honeymoon in Vegas, and that used to be on HBO all the time when my dad had it. Do you remember that movie? What movie? Honeymoon in Vegas. All Find I know it. is there a picture? Is Goldie Hawn in it? I don't think so. At the end, was there a picture I feel of like of him as Elvis on the cover. At <laughs> at the end, because I've seen the end a lot, trying to catch something else that's coming on i know that it, there's it's in vegas and he like jumps out of a plane uh nicholas cage does i think yeah they're just dressed as, elvis, as right? elvis yeah and then like try, are they racing to try and like i don't remember i just remember a girl or something like, I just remember you're par- like yeah they i just remember parachuting elvises that happened at the end of the movie i believe and i i think that the girl that they're trying to get was fucking uh Horse face herself. Sarah Jessica Parker. Yep, that's correct. James Con, Jim's Con, and Nikki Cage. Unnecessarily mean. No, that's just what people always say. I don't think she looks like a horse. Then don't follow the fucking people. No, I'm just Be doing yourself. what that guy did to. Oh, you probably didn't hear it because you don't know anything no, that happens. I don't care. It's about people's <laughs> things. What happened to her? Never mind. It was. I like hearing what you tell when you tell me things, but I'm not gonna read a fucking article about Sarah Jessica Parker's. This isn't about Sarah Jessica Parker. It's not about her anyway. Dealing with a horse. There was just there was an interview that someone was interviewing. This guy was talking to Nancy Pelosi, and he called her like evil Nancy or whatever because it's like Trump's. Trump has some nickname for her. And he used wicked it. Nancy. He used it to her face, and then immediately backtracked and was like, "According to Trump, that's not what I would whatever." And she was like, "But you just did like say it." He's like, "I would never say that." And she's like, "But you just did." <laughs> like, I don't know if it's like nasty Nancy or something. It's I don't think it's that, but something stupid. So it's it's just similar. Beautiful Nancy. No. Gorgeous Nancy. There's no way. That's mean. So magnetic Nancy. This the whole idea yeah, about behind what? this movie okay. is that James Conn plays a writer named Paul Sheldon. He's Paul Sheldon. And he he is a he is a writer who has a specific what is the, like a schedule to what he does. He has a routine, I suppose. He goes to a cabin, a specific cabin. He basically shuts himself off from the world. 
he obsessively writes his novel and then has the whole thing that when he's done, he has three things you find out about pretty soon on because you see him finishing a book and doing his little, what would you call it? Not like a, a celebratory something, but... It's a ritual. A ritual, that's the word I and was And I wanted thinking. to talk about it in this way. Uh, do you think he's an organized person in general to have such specific... I think so. <clears throat> uh, rituals when things are done? Because he's. it seems like he's not actually a smoker, but he has one lucky strike, one unfiltered lucky strike. Yeah. A match. Which looks funny. Stick. And a... Uh, Bottle of champagne. Uh, it's Don it, Perignon. Yeah. Don Perignon or whatever Don Perignon. she says. Um, and he has a glass of champagne, I guess. And that's how he completes it. And then he uh, goes about his life until he writes the next book. But he writes a... Um, God, I can't think of words right now. He writes a series, that's the word, of books about this character, Misery. And I don't really know much about the actual books. All we know is that Kathy Bates is supposed to be his biggest fan. All I know about the Misery books is that a person named Misery is one of the worst character names I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. Definitely not a great name. Oliver thinks it's shit, too. Yeah, he's not a fan. But he doesn't like pretty much anything, so he's just... A critic of everything. Yeah. I will say this. During this part, like they're like after he's doing his celebratory, you know, I finished the book, smoke my cig, drink my champagne, and he's <laughs> he's leaving the cabin, right? He's driving down the roads. And they cut to like a scene of him talking to his publicist. Yes, before he leaves. Or his I don't know what a person that person is, manager or something. That part seemed so like thrown in there. I I generally think this is a well-made movie, but for some reason those scenes cut in just seemed weird. Or did that were they cut in after he gets in an accident? Well, and I I don't while he's driving maybe they're cut in. That makes no sense to me. It would make more sense. Or is it I don't remember exactly how it's done. Maybe it's just the beginning. I I remember feeling weird about it, but I also remember being like, that dude is driving way too fucking fast in general down this mountain when he finally leaves the cabin and he's in the car. Why were you bringing up that he was talking to his like publicist or whatever? Because I just thought that scene was like, it felt shoved in there and weird and I thought it was during the drive. Well, you don't know what... That's the thing. They always make movies that are way longer than what we see, typically. And then they have to edit things down and cut things. So maybe there was more... Uh, maybe it made more sense and was more gradual than what we saw in the final cut. Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe they thought, thought it took too long and they wanted to drag I, I something know, else out. I know uh, me talking about this scene is taking way too long. <laughs> It certainly is. But one thing that I did think was interesting, it's the first note that I have written down here, is that when he is, before he's in the car, when he, before he does his little routine, he writes the end at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very sloppily. 
but he writes the E without lifting the pencil. Yeah, I noticed I that I think too. that is weird <laughs> yeah, because it's like a lines. stick and then like a backwards three or something. It's the ugliest fucking thing I've seen. <laughs> and it bothered you both times, didn't it? Has it always bothered you? Have you always noticed it? No, I've not always noticed it. <laughs> but yeah, it's... It, it, I don't enjoy the way that it looks. I just wanted to... As someone who... Um, <laughs> you want him to lift that goddamn pen? Or pencil or whatever it was. I think it was a pencil. It was a pencil. And there was no excuse for the way that he wrote that. At least go back and erase the lines that are inadvertently put in the E that don't need to be there now. I don't think his pencil had an eraser. Oh, that son of a bitch. He's like, I'm, I'm Paul Sheldon. I don't make mistakes. That son of a bitch. So, <clears throat> yeah. Was I ever saying anything about that? No, I need to close that because that doesn't even matter. Um, so we haven't even watched the trailer trailer yet. Um, oh yeah, that thing. So we we are going to watch the trailer or listen to it. Do you want to actually watch it or do you want to just listen to it? I'll just listen to it. I could skip it personally. <laughs> Died. I want a guy. You have a compound fracture of the tibia in both legs, and the fibula in the right leg is fractured too. So and the whole idea. Open, I'll take you to a hospital. Is that you said he was driving Meantime, fast? A lot of recovering to do. He didn't realize There's a snowstorm was coming, and he went off the road. Just fine. I'm your number one fan. His number one my fan. Name is Annie Wilkes. Pulls I him from the car. Clients, and this Sheldon is the movie. might be in some kind of trouble. You mean Paul Sheldon, the writer? Everybody sure likes those misery books. They had it at the store, Paul. <laughs> they said he checked out I'm just last listening Tuesday. to this. Isn't that a little strange? I can tell it's a horrible kind of trailer. For you finding me. In a way, I was following you. Why do you say that? What do you expect oh, Paul, a trailer to be? I read everything of yours, but the misery novels. You must I don't know. This just man. seems you so. Never liked trailers, never created such a ever. You hate every one of them. I want some like selling going on. It's just. The presumption must now be that Paul Sheldon is. They dead. are. They're selling it in two and a half Dirty minutes. Bird. How could you? Misery Shut up. Chastain cannot be dead. Misery spirit is still alive. I don't Damn. want her spirit. Shut up. I want her, and you murdered her. You don't think he's dead, do you? And don't even think about anybody coming for you. Because I never called them. Nobody knows you're here. And they gave and you away better the hope nothing happens to me. Because if I die, you die. This is a long trailer. This isn't like the short TV trailer that most people would see. I know you've been out. Is this what you're looking for? Eventually, you'll come to accept the idea of being here. Annie, whatever you think I'm not doing, please don't do it. Annie, for God's sake. Shh, darling. Trust me. God's sake. It's for the best. God, I love you. Yeah, it sounds like she exposed his penis and was like, oh, I love you. <laughs> Well, she guaranteed saw it a lot. Of course she sponge did. Sponge bathing him. She cleaned that spot Did extra. you say sponge bathing him? Sponge bathing him. Uh-huh. <laughs> sponge bathing him. That's how you get away with your isardisms. It's just being Fuck, lazy yeah. as hell. Oh, yeah. Being lazy as hell. Oh, yeah. That trailer sucked. I didn't even <sighs> watch it. And that trailer Don't they sucked. all, though, Sam? Don't they I all just, They just suck. need a guy in there like... 
Just finished the novel. And he's on his way home. James Caan and uh, Kathy Bates starred. Misery. Okay, God, so. I love you. The whole. This summer. So. Thanksgiving. God damn it. <laughs> this summer, Thanksgiving. I said Thanksgiving because, like, in the Grindhouse movie, going back to the Quentin Tarantino, they had fake trailers, and there was a movie called Thanksgiving. Okay, anyway. Um, James Conn, who is, you know, the main character, I would say. One of, I'd say, I mean, the story is based co-stars. around him. They're co-stars. They are co-stars, but the story is about the writer. True, and I bet he's got more screen time than uh, Miss Bates. He does. Because um, you don't see her alone very much. Nope. But you see him alone a bit. Um, but he, to me, looks like a mature Michael Bolton in the beginning. Really? He has a mature, suave Michael Bolton, like... I could see what you're saying. Kind of long face, but not, but like strong jaw. Chiseled, and yeah, like chiseled, chiseled jaw. for sure. Like, they, they have a similar look that I never noticed before. They are not. They don't have big lips, but James Conn's got some nice big teeth. I didn't notice the big teeth on James Conn. You get a lot of face shots of him laying in bed. Which is nuts. I did watch some videos today, like I said. Um, <clears throat> I guess that James Conn laid in a bed for 15 weeks to film it. 15 That's weeks of every day just going to work. And then just legs laying down. Hurt. I bet his Back body hurt. hurt. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's the thing. People are like, yeah, that's easy. All you have to do is just lay around. But it's like, but Fuck I'm not that, allowed to dude. do anything else. <laughs> Don't you understand? Um I guess that there were multiple people considered for the role that James Conn is playing as Paul Sheldon. I guess Warren Beatty was one that they were really fishing okay. around okay. with. Okay. Um, and uh, th- it was going to be a stretch to have James Conn just because he wasn't usually in like any sort of scary type movies like that. Suspense in that way? Yeah, like thriller, s- horror kind of, but not really. Not like horror like you would think like it. It's a different sort of horror. People yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that they were f- <laughs> they were close to getting Bette Midler for the role what? of Kathy Bates, but she just uh, she just didn't think it was going to work. She didn't think it was right for her. It was no. a little too dark. And I think she could have maybe pulled it off. But I I I think that it it's good for Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates won a fucking Oscar. Yeah, and if, for this role. And if we're going on the premise that Kathy Bates wasn't like a household name yet, yeah, that that's what way it, it like cemented like, her. <clears throat> well, and it's it's better as the viewer to not seeing someone like Bette Midler, somebody so recognizable, would put me out of the character. I just see Bette Midler. Well, seeing somebody you don't really know it's like those it's like old horror movies when you see the teens mm-hmm. you don't know who the fuck they are so it feels like more like not real but it's like more like these are these characters i feel like a lot of people were probably introduced to kathy bates from this role and but yeah. from what i saw is that there were some, a lot of people who 
also thought that she made the character kind of cheesy and weren't necessarily happy that Kathy Bates was cast as Annie Wilkes. I can agree with it's it's a little too cheesy when she's happy, but I think they like she's overselling. But I was gonna say they wanted to do that so that when she goes fucking nuts, it's effective. It's yeah, it's such a drastic change that you're gonna feel it way more. So there is a storm that comes through, and James Con, who is <laughs> Paul Sheldon, who has just shut himself off from the world to write his book. He's leaving with the copy of the book to going back to New York, I believe. And he goes off the road because the snowstorm comes in. It's crazy. He's driving too fast. He's definitely driving, he's driving too, too fast. fast. It's scary when you see the roads yeah, that he's on and he's tense. flying. Even if he's going 30, he's going too, too fast, fast because you can't really see the road. You're like going it's downhill all covered in snow. On like a mountainous kind of thing. Too fast. There's a cricket right there, and it's alive. Hi, buddy. How you doing? You're not going to be alive for long, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm going to tell on you. you down. Yeah. Okay. Why do we have so many crickets in this goddamn house? It's ridiculous. So he goes off the road, and not long after that, the snow is coming down hard and fast, but... Kathy, I mean, all you know is he's being pulled out. Someone has a crowbar. They're yeah, open, crowbar prying open his door, open. pulling him out, throws him over their shoulder, and trudges through a snowstorm. Yeah. Uh, I wrote, Kathy Bates hauls him off like Sasquatch. He is kind of like dangling off of her. Like if you kind of look at his body and the way he's holding it, it doesn't, it kind of doesn't look like she has a strong hold. He's just draped on her. (laughs) But do you think that he, do you think Kathy Bates had what it took to actually physically carry James Caan? I think at that point, Kathy Bates probably could pick up James Caan and walk on regular surface. I don't. I don't think... I do at that point. Just because she's big doesn't mean that she's strong. I don't think she could do it like she does in the movie. I think she could just like maybe kind of like grab him around the waist and do like a little lift. Well, it seems like there's no way she's picking him up and trudging through snow. I'm not picking up James Conn and trudging through snow for sure. She's a fucking barrel in this movie. Well, at least her character is supposed to be like she is a strong fucking woman. However, yeah. When she like helps him get in and out of the wheelchair and in and out of bed, it's a little bit of a struggle. She struggles, so yeah, it's right. it doesn't seem believable to Not me. The same woman that she, unless she's just going on adrenaline, because yeah, maybe we find yeah, that's true. Because the my whole... cousin Tate saved someone on adrenaline one time. <laughs> he saved their life. Really? Yeah. He, the person was he was on a lawn mowing crew. Oh, okay. And the lawnmower fell out. This guy fell down the hill on the lawnmower and it like landed on him in a in the water hazard and it was like pushing him down and drowning him. And Tate ran down there and like superhuman strength like picked up the lawnmower, like this big fucking huge industrial lawnmower and the guy got out. From movie, as far as I know, in movies, people picked up cars all the time. Yeah. So in, in crazy babe. situations, you're able to do that. It's a shame, by the way, that Tate couldn't save his own life. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. That was a swipe. True. It's true. But it's also unfortunate because, yeah, he just would have turned 41 if he were still alive. So that's why I thought <laughs> about wild. it. So Sometimes I forget he's dead. And then like as soon as I'm like, I'll be like, 
They're like, I don't know. What's Taint doing? And then I'll be like, oh, yeah. He's not doing anything. He, We have pieces of him in ash form. <laughs> yeah, he's in the house. Yeah. He's with us. Um, Annie Wilkes is, she's secluded. She has a home out in the middle of nowhere. Um, her style is totally sexy aunt. Yeah, I get like Mormony kind of feels, super religious woman. Sexy aunt. Like a gardener feel. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sexy Debbie Gardner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like tough and well, I just tough. Mean, scary. <laughs> tough. Um, so she brings him back, and all he knows is that he wrecks his car, and then he wakes up, and he realizes that that he's in a house, and a lady is nursing him back to health. He's in rough shape. He's that's, in real rough shape. That's all he knows. He wakes up. She tends to him. She introduces herself. She uh, pulls down. Like she tells him what had happened. He like broke an arm or something, or sh- a shoulder uh, got knocked out of place. His shoulder. And then like different bones in each leg broke. Yeah. Is and uh, they. I mean, she did these like makeshift. Splints. Splints. They kind of looked like they looked similar to me to the leg braces in uh, Forrest Gump. Like they just looked like uh, old, rickety, but efficient splints. She doesn't need any newfangled medical equipment. She'll get it done with old, rusty with steel. Old fangled. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and she shows him his legs. And one thing I think that's interesting, she pulls the blanket down and I don't know why I noticed this cause I never noticed it before, but one of the spots of blood, because both have spots that have bled through the bandages. Yeah. And one of them is shaped like a heart. Oh, I thought it was weird that it was like, if it, it felt like it was supposed to be an Easter egg, even though no one talked about it in any of the videos that I watched any other videos that I watched. Cool. Yeah, I, my notes make no sense, so... That's fine. Um, So we cut to... So the whole idea with it throwing in that in the beginning was that Paul seemed to be in contact regularly despite being cut off from the world with his publisher and his daughter still it seemed like he he still it was important for him to keep in contact with those two people yeah and he was supposed to be at a certain place no one had heard from him so his publisher calls the local police station the sheriff and we meet buster buster played by did you look this up no his name is richard farnsworth Sounds familiar. This man was amazing. I love Buster. I think you're supposed to love Buster. Was he in a lot of things? Is that why? I don't fucking know. I just like his character in this. I think they set it up that way, though. Oh, yeah. He's supposed to be... Well, he's elderly, but he's like the town sheriff. You can tell he's like grandfathered in, and he's just been around for a long time. Everyone knows who he is. Everyone knows he's a cut-up. His wife is the deputy. Yeah. It's just those two at the police station. All the time. And a beautiful mustache. And his wife is also well known. Wait, what what the fuck was his name? Richard? Richard Farnsworth. 
Farnsworth. I like to think that's how he actually sounds. Yes, I'm ready to do this wonderful scene right now. Here we go. Looks like he yeah, was also in Lassie. Rim, huh? He was in Lassie. Oh, fuck yeah, Richard Farnsworth. Lassie. He was in Highway to Hell. Oh, yeah. He wrote that song for ACDC. Ooh, it looks like he was also in Highway to Heaven. Uh, he also wrote that song for ACDC. They didn't like it. Turned it down. <laughs> it just went like this. I'm on a highway to heaven. <laughs> he was in it with Michael Landon. So I assume that Michael Landon was the star from the looks of things. Michael Landon. Was he? What was he in? He was in that... Uh, what the fuck was... Didn't he die of AIDS or some shit? Was he in a... He was in one of those TV shows. A uh, Little House on the Prairie? That's correct. <clears throat> was he in a... Was he in Bonanza? That. But yes, he was. Isn't it? Bonanza. I don't think they say bonanza. No. I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. <laughs> no. All right. So where are we at in this story? It looks like I wonder why Richard Farnsworth stopped acting in 1999. Do you think he's still alive? <laughs> I imagine that motherfucker no. is dead. It says he died in 1999. He died in 2000. That makes sense. Acted till the day died. He died and he was 80. And currently, Jimmy Kahn is 80, which is nuts. But he's still alive and he's still kicking. He looks damn near 80 in this movie. No, he looks he looks like a sexy old guy. Whoa, Michelle. You don't think he's a little smoldering at times? Smoldering? I am not good at judging men. That's not true. I'm you... not. Sometimes people will be like, oh, he's the most handsome pe- person in the world. And I'll be like, mm. that fucking guy? I don't necessarily. I can see the James Conn chiseledness. I think. For sure. Oh, okay. I mean, if you... I was James Conn. I think it's because super pretty have, faces are less appealing I'd than someone t- who looks like manly. I'd have tang deposits in every corner of the room. James James Connell was a good looking guy back in the day. I'm a good looking guy right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best response you could have had to anything. Um, so anyway, they she calls, she talks to Buster. She says, "I'm looking for Paul Sheldon." You're talking about He's the, in the area. She the publicist the is. And Where is he? I can't find him. He owes me a book. And he he's like, call me Buster. Everybody does. And I, I made this note because I think it's weird that people, that there are people in the world who just, what? who go by nicknames and they don't go by their real names. And they're allowed to get away with being sort of anonymous by just being like, I'm Buster. Instead of giving <laughs> his actual name. You don't have to be known. It's their choice, unless you're, he is an elected official. But I'm just saying people in general, to just, people to have sort of, like a sort of anonymousness to them by only going, like, my name is Fuzz. What if his name's Buster? Or my name is Pugs, or my name is Scooter, or whatever, and it has nothing to do with their actual name. They thought they're, we know we someone named Scooter. Love. You're just jealous. Let me start calling you, like, butternuts. 
Could anyone ever be confused as to why I want to punch you in the face sometimes? <laughs> I don't know, butternuts. I don't know why you're so aggressive towards me. I'm not being aggressive. And that aggressive. you think it's funny. It's funny to be I'm not shitty. being aggressive. I, well, it makes me feel I like I want to get aggressive. You want to fight So me? what you're doing is coaxing the devil out the of me, Sam. You're going to make me explode hatred upon you. <laughs> I'm, I'm only being me. What was that thing that Adam's ex-girlfriend said that when she said it over the phone, you guys all laughed? I'm not going to say her name. Uh, oh, oh, it was you. Wanna, you don't want to experience like the wrath of me is what it was, right? Yeah, let's say her name was Martha. Martha. Mm-hmm. It was. Are you will feel the wrath of Martha? <laughs> and then we all three laughed. Like a on wrestler? The, uh, we all started laughing. And then Adam lost it on her. Did he laugh? Yeah, he laughed. Oh, he too. did? Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't have helped but laugh in this situation. It was so ridiculous. I mean, I figured he would have also been fuming. Oh, so Yeah, he was fuming. That's funny. He was starting to boil. Then she did that. And then the tension was broke on our side because we all just started laughing at them. The wrath of Marilyn. Martha. So let's get back to the cabin. So again, Jimmy Con wakes Jimmy up. Con. He can't do much of anything for himself. He's in bed. Uh, he's been shown what is, you know, his body's a fucking mess. Uh, Annie Wilkes is feeding him. She's explaining to him what, like, how she knows him and that she's his biggest fan and that she's read all of his books. And then I don't think I, I had never noticed it before until I watched it and took notes. Well, actually, no, it was actually the first watch that we did. But, uh, so for the podcast, I, I never noticed how she told him that she was stalking him. Yeah. Right from the get go. Yeah. She's like, I've been following well, I was you. Following you. And she said that she would even go to his cabin because she because she's his biggest fan. She knows, of course, that that's where he goes to write, which seemed like it wasn't terribly far from where she decided to live. And uh, I don't know if that was on purpose or not. Maybe. But she definitely seemed to have like an obsessive sort of personality, I suppose. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like that she would sit outside his window and just like stare at the light and uh it like i said before it seemed like she pretty quickly pulled him out of the wreck so like it seemed like she wasn't speaking metaphorically or like kind of you know like i was kind of following you because i i knew you're in the area like she was i think she was straight following i thought she made it pretty clear in her speech to be honest i was following you i was right there i didn't take it as a I thought it Fuck was supposed to all. be more of a I, metaphor the way she was saying I, it. Both times that we watched it, I interpreted it as, yes, I was following you. Okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, she was right there, but it was weird. Um, <clears throat> she's kind of known in this movie for making goofy statements. Yeah. And saying kooky things. Is this where my note is going to come <clears throat> in handy? Probably. I made it a point... Because I used this cool, those, you know, remember those cool pins from the night? You know what I'm talking about, but I'm talking to other people. The cool pins from the 90s where. No, I don't. I don't remember what they're actually called. They don't say their names. I call the style them of barbershop pin. pins. 
But they're the ones where they're the multicolored. You select what color ink you want. And I made sure to color code specifically Annie's little goofy uh, linguistic niches, I suppose. Her phrases. Yeah. And um, to be honest, I feel like it's like it's a little more hyped. Maybe it's not, but she doesn't actually say as much as people think that I as I think it's interpreted. Oh, I didn't know there was controversy about. It's not controversy, <laughs> but people—it's it the whole thing about how she's like super clean cut and like stuff is inappropriate and like I don't say bad words and things, but then she'll flip her shit and she will swear oh, and yeah. she'll break things and yeah. she'll go crazy. Yeah. So it's just like the contrast. It's the contradiction. Is something that has always been a super high focus of this movie is that she says stuff um but the first thing yeah is she says make making you feel all oogie yeah my note literally says she said oogie (laughs) and the note before that says i hate her when she is so nice like she's so humble like not humble but like so in the beginning, it's over the top. It's over the fucking it's, top. It's so over the top, it's almost like bad acting. Like It got so close to the edge of, this is bad. She's selling how perfect and clean and just pure that she is and that she's just his savior and his biggest fan and that this is just the best thing to happen to her and he needs to not worry because Ugh. he is safe in her care. Um, one thing that's interesting is that he so he wrote a book which to him is supposed to be the end of misery there have been i think it's like it's only like four or five books in the series it's not a ton but uh like she we find out soon that she does have a pet pig and that she's so obsessed with everything that the pig's name is misery so bad name for a pig too <laughs> Yeah, really. Pigs aren't known for having good endings. Except for their cute little tails. That's adorable. Um, so he... When she pulled him out of the car, he had a bag with him. Yeah. And she made sure to grab that. Yeah. And she noticed because, you know, he's sleeping most of the time because she has him all doped up on pain medicine. Um, <clears throat> that he has something written. So he is wanting to end, in this book that is getting ready to be released, he's wanting to end the misery story and move on to something else. And this thing that he just finished writing, not what's getting ready to be released, but the the next thing. The thing that's in his leather satchel that was in the car with him. Is is not an, a misery story. It's, it's going in a different direction because he's his, ready to move yeah, on. It's his new thing. Mm-hmm. It's what he wants to do. He doesn't feel connected to the misery story anymore. He doesn't feel like he's being creative. He feels like it's, you know, and I'm sure a yeah. lot of people don't want to be known for just doing so many different versions of one thing. Especially if you're tired of doing it. My second note, which it relates to that scene where it shows James Conn and his manager, I wrote ah, uh, classic artist versus manager struggle where the artist is just like, I just, 
How is it still doing anything like it's... And it's like, no, this is what the people want. Yeah, like, the yeah, people yeah. want this. And I never really looked at it from that perspective so much. But after watching one of the videos that I watched, which, you know, kind of gave, like, things that you may have missed or things that you may not know about Misery, uh, that was one of the ways that they kind of looked at, at things, which was, like, the artist's struggle and how they don't want to be stuck in one thing, but people... Like the crowd, the fans expect that. And then there's like a whole fear of like, if I step outside of what people expect or what people want, like I won't be successful. So there's this whole like art artistic tear in a lot of people. And I guess that that happened with Stephen King. That's what I was going to ask. Who he, he wrote some book that wasn't, you know, it wasn't a horror book and people freaked out. And I, I watched, I mean, in an interview, he was like, I never said I was someone who wrote thrillers or horror movies or scary books, like, like specifically. I just write what I want to write. I just write what I want to write. Yeah. But people just were not accepting of, like, <clears throat> this other different material from Makes him. Makes sense. It goes multi-platform. Jim Carrey, as soon as he's not doing a comedy. Yeah, I think oh, he's drama? I mean, he had to prove himself. I think he'd be way more accepted now. I think oh, that's the thing. But I was like the Truman Show. I was completely on board from the get go. I was fine with it. Yeah. I also think Truman Show has some comedic moments in it. <clears throat> it does, but he plays more of a straight character. For sure. For sure. He's not like super goofball, but. No, not at it's all. It's definitely got an entertaining, like light sheen to it sometimes. Yeah. So he has he already has plans to move on. She doesn't know in this new book that's coming out that Misery is going to no longer be alive. Um, <clears throat> so she does ask before she knows anything about what is the context of the book getting ready to come out. She asks if she can read what he typed up <clears throat> and she is not a fan. And one thing I think that is interesting in her being as like uptight and Mormon-esque as she seems she says that profanity has no nobility because he went into some like he was talking about I don't remember what the story was but it was like people like where he grew up yeah and it was just like, like rough alley boys. rats or something like that yeah just like boys who swore and lived rough and were dirty and spoke A tale dirty of the city and, it sounds like yeah and she was just like no this I'm is humble. this is absolute filth like none of this is good so. And, so I guess that means that all the misery books, which I sounds like they're like a medieval story. So I guess all that speech is like, ah, oh, mine. It does thine, seem like he, woman. He's like a romance writer. Yeah, like yeah. it's like it's some sort of Ugh. like fantasy romance, which is lame as hell. In. <laughs> I mean, I guess it makes sense, which is why like a lonely woman would be into it. And like his publisher would be well, a woman, and it seems like so wet. it just seems like it's it's a very woman driven movie. Oddly, I don't know. That could be right. It could be wrong. Woman, um, but we do cut back and forth with like conversations between uh, the deputy and his sheriff because he obviously does have to do some following up um, about this famous writer that he knows is in the area, and nobody has heard from him. But that deputy wants that sheriff dick. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you my next note on that one. Sheriff and his wife like to bone. 
Yeah, because they go out to try and see if they can find like a car that went off the road, but there was such a heavy snowfall that they can't find it. So, so far, everyone is coming up empty handed. I have another Kathy Bates quote, and it is simply, oh, poo. Also, not that extreme. Um, But I do want to say, I'm not sure where they actually filmed this movie. And I said this to you at one point. Rob Reiner got some beautiful fucking winter shots. Oh, yeah. In this movie. Of just like... Whoever the director of photography is and did a very good job. Of what I would call a babbling brook. But uh, according to the Wheel of Fortune app game that I play, it I put babbling brook and it was wrong. And then the person after me solved it and it was bubbling brook. And I was like, what the fuck is... Bu-? I mean, like, I get it, but babbling brook is what i've personally always heard i know me too i agree so i don't know about you guys if if you're more familiar with bubbling brook or babbling brook but for me it's babbling just like what i'm doing right now did uh so we're at the sheriff like to bone note that means did we skip the first kathy bates flip out because i have notes about that before this um, I probably because I didn't he's go. Feeding him that she's feeding him that tomato soup, and it looks fucking disgusting to me. Yeah, it's just basic tomato soup that just looks like <laughs> Campbell's in a can. Looks awful. I bet she has a lot of processed food, but it seems like it's. So that's okay. She's complaining about the new book that he wrote. That's when she. F- Starts like kind of losing it, right? She starts yelling about the language. Yeah, I said that she. She said that she wasn't happy about it. Yeah, because she was just giving him a note at first. I think, right? I don't remember, but she ends up like because all of this tomato soup a little bit. Yeah, because she starts getting an attitude with him and just gets getting like offended yeah. for no reason, and he's just like, uh, and then she's just like, I'll take care of it, whatever. I don't think she, does she ever actually apologize anytime she gets crazy. Or does she just uh, explain why it later, happens? Later. Because, uh, I mean... Because the first time she's like... She spills that tomato soup and she's like... Look what you look made me what do. you made me do! Yeah, she definitely blamed that on him. That's why I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember if there was any time that she actually said, like, I'm sorry. Or if I did it because of this. Like, if she just explained herself or if she ever actually said, I'm sorry. Which I don't remember. Um... But yeah, he she comes in. I guess. Ah. She comes in and apologizes and burns and gets the charcoal ready. Yeah. So she or the the grill. <clears throat> she brings the grill in and she just hates the direction that he's going in with this book and she makes him burn it. Yeah, this is when it goes cra- extra crazy because she she says uh, I like had a vision from God. Or I spoke with God or something about God. Yeah, let and me. You got to get rid of this. Okay, fucking so this book. is actually okay. So my notes, I, I have a few other things. All right. So we do we do find out that Annie discovered misery because she was working overnight as a nurse and she didn't have anybody yeah. like in her life. So we do find out that she is medically. Trained. She's not just nursing him. She has actually been uh, a nurse, but um. She does call him a dirty bird. I can t- I can bring that up again. So yeah, the taunting him by talking about God, which was really weird. That all of a sudden she got some like weird God complex. Yeah. That I kind of felt like she had it anyway though. 
Yeah, but it, I mean, you, this is technically gonna. This is is this the third freak out? Because I think that between that, all of a sudden he just wakes up in the middle of the night and she's standing there and flips out on him because she's still she's not happy with how the book is going, right? I don't know. <sighs> I didn't like reread this stuff or anything. Yeah, I feel like that's when she came in and she flipped out and she grabbed the table that had the plant on it and the plant fell off and the vase broke. I said vase because that's what I say. And she, you think that she's going to flip out on him because she gets weird a couple times and then she actually like flips out and busts it, the table against the wall and it shatters, but she never actually like hits him or anything like that. She's just like starting to show that she's freaking out at different times. Yeah, I don't remember the order. I don't really either, but th- so yeah, so she she comes in and she's like you have to burn the book. Uh she knows that he cuz she knows everything about him that he doesn't make copies. This is his only copy. She's like it's trash. Okay. You need to burn it. We're skipping stuff. This is she got the new misery book from the store. Has that already happened? Yeah, and she's she's like kind of d- didn't even kind of like put that other book to the side and started reading the misery book gets through it so excited so excited gets to the end then comes in at night finds out that misery freaks died out that misery's dead that's when she breaks the fucking chair against the wall she's like bah! i don't write things down chronologically so i'm not surprised that i skip things and then she comes back the next day and she's like i had a vision from god blah 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 Okay, that was you the gotta next burn, time. You got to burn the book you just wrote. And I know you only have one copy because I'm Miss Historian and I know everything about you. And then you have to write a new book. Yeah. Bringing misery back. Mm-hmm. And that's also... Because she basically she, just figured out what his plan yeah, was. And like, at that night, she freaked out about it. That's when she told him. I'm not calling anybody. There's no exit. Oh, yeah. She, you're not fucking leaving. Because she said, so she's saying that the lines, are, the phone lines are down because of the storm and the roads are closed at first. And then she was able to drive to town because the one road to town was open. Yeah. No other roads she were. Just, so she just keeps lying. <clears throat> and then she was able to call the hospital to make sure that everything she did was kosher. Yeah. And she said that she called the agent or the publisher and that the publisher said she would contact the daughter but she didn't do that and then so once she finds out that he after buying the new book that misery has been killed she comes in flips out and after she breaks it before she leaves she turns around and she says that she confesses that she didn't actually call anyone no one knows that he's there and if she dies he dies. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about so that. So there was nothing physical that happened, but there, like, to him, but she was very fucking threatening. Oh yeah, and that, and that, I think that that's when you see that she's really fucking crazy. Yeah. And then the next day, this is when you confirm she's violent. And then yeah, and then the next day she comes in. She says that she was talking to God, as you said. Yeah. God uh, told her that she, the whole reason why all of this happened was so she could show him the way that it's not right to kill misery. That this new book direction he's going in is not right, as you've said. Sorry, I'm just trying to connect the dots. And uh, 
has to burn this book. <sighs> Which he does. She Which is rough as an artist because he finally did something he wanted to do and the... then now he's mm-hmm. just got to like waste away. There's some mental manipulation, but she gets him to do it. Uh, which is kind of crazy. Um, it's but kind of, it's fucking, well, that part is kind of crazy. What's crazy is when she's trying to convince him to do it, she is walking around the bed and just (laughs) dousing him with lighter fluid, just very casually. And like, doesn't say anything. nobody says anything about it like it's never actually mentioned that yeah. she does it she's not like you don't write this i'm gonna set you on fire motherfucker <laughs> no it never happens and she's just like showing look how i can just have this conversation and i'm talking about god and everything you know that i'm sent here to do for you from god while dousing him in lighter fluid and he's holding a match part of, you know when she handed him the match for him to like make his choice I so badly want a version where he's like, fuck you, bitch, and just like throws it on himself. <laughs> it's just like, ha, 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 I'm taking this whole house down, cunt. It's crazy. Oh, and uh, one thing that I did forget is back when she did have that first freak out and she spilled that tomato soup that you hated yeah, so much. Oh, that's gross. She did say, well, isn't that an oogie mess? So she did say oogie. oogie again. I don't know that I've ever heard it before. It's the worst word in the oogie? English language. Yep. It's awful. It's weird. And he, she just keeps feeding him his Aaron Novel pills so he can uh, pass out and sleep So when she flipped out, you know, that night about the book. Yeah. And admits there is no exit, and it's like very intense. Uh, she like leaves in the middle of the night. Well, like, where the fuck is she going? She's going on a drive to clear her mind. I'm yeah, that's never really expressed. But along with this book burning that she's forcing him to do, which is painful, she also just has this like building excitement because part of the whole thing is that she also decided. Like, I am going to help you bring misery back to life because I'm setting up a studio for you. I bought you a rickety old typewriter. It's missing an N. And the most expensive paper. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, thanks. The you stuff. Need to take a break. It's like an hour and 18 minutes. <laughs> okay. I didn't know if you were going to get there or not. What a way to say it to me. I just thought about it. That's not who cares the way I say it to you. I just like, whoa, we're at hour and eighteen. That's not how you say it. you're just very like ah Yeah. Okay. Well But we, I mean we can still keep going. I'm just saying keep in mind. I just thought about it. It just blurred out I'm, of my brain. I'm thinking about it. Okay, cool. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I was gonna take a break around here anyway, All because right. this is Sweet. when things start to change a little bit. But right. I did want to say that he expresses to her and shows her kind of puts her in her place for the very first time, which we see with the paper, because she's so excited that she got him the most expensive kind, and he's like, No, this kind smudges and then he showed her and then she did it herself and she like something in her like switched at that moment it seemed to me did you not feel that that was like pivotal it was obvious right right there i mean she freaks out on him 
She doesn't like, really. That's the thing. She's really subtle and she's just kind of snarky, but she seems so like offended that she's helped him. Like, how dare he do that? You thought that was subtle? Like when she freaks out right then? I don't think she like has a big freak out. It's not like a break I just, a chair freak out. No, no, it's not like her usual freak outs. I think she's she feels almost like wounded, and it seems like something in her brain, because like all of a sudden he seems to be getting some sort of like an upper hand. Like she seems to really basically thrive on knowing that she's completely in control. It's and it's also like you said, it's she's got the complex of I saved you. And you need me. Yeah, yeah. So you should be thankful for whatever I'm getting you. But she's also a slave to the the master. Because she does still have an obsession with him. It's not just like some... There is a power role in it. But there's also a role of, I do genuinely She does tell him in the beginning this that man. she's like, I love you. And then yeah. she's like, you're mine. You're mine. <laughs> so she's got this torn thing there where it's she's obsessively I in hate love with the disrespect the so-called disrespect of being asked to go get different paper but I have to because the master needs his tools yeah so, so this is an important do you think, part do you think the other paper I thought this was going to come back in the movie do you think the other paper smudges too and that was just a ploy to get her to leave again because this is when like no. leaving the room kind of stuff happens it does, but I think that I think because he did already find the paper clip on the floor, or the it's, bobby pin, or the bobby pin. It was sometime like right around this yeah. time. I don't remember any of the chronology of it, and I don't really want to <laughs> dive into that mess. Well, I mean, we'll get. I, I would like to come back from the break and talk okay. about w- what happens after. She leaves yeah. to go get more paper. But I, I thought for sure. But he picked. He found a bobby pin of hers because she does wear yeah. her hair in bobby pins. Which but, I'm surprised with how meticulous she is. She wouldn't have noticed one bobby pin gone. I feel like that too. But uh, I thought for sure the paper thing was going to come back and like she was going to come back, put the stack of paper down, have him type, and then she was going to smudge it again, and then have a freak out about. You know, being lied to, and that was just like his ploy to get her to leave, so he could try and figure something out. But it didn't happen, so my I, foresight didn't pay off. I have a feeling that he just from well, actually, I, I feel like this, but I just remembered that. Uh, I, I guess in the book, he's supposedly more like cynical—not cynical, but he's a little more like snarky and sarcastic when he speaks to her sometimes. So I feel like that was his way of his personality coming out because I mean he's all he is a writer, he yeah. and writers are sometimes known as being like, they're people with personalities. Yeah. Sometimes they're difficult. Sometimes they're jerks. Like some whatever. So he, I I think it was also a way for him to maybe get something out of it for a second. Yeah, it's his first. It's his first it's like his, upper hand. Yeah, it's the first chance he's had to have any power or strength in this relationship he's been all i'm a baby basically at this point he's finally learned to take his first step i mean we've even seen him pee in a one of those like bottle things and give it to her yeah and her empty it and not even think about it because she's the nurse this is just what she does basically an invalid he couldn't get out of bed he can't do anything he can just sit there and move one arm and look around he could aim pee pretty well apparently yeah i guess so so um, <clears throat> she, in a huff, decides 
she'll get him what he needs. So she leaves and goes to the store to buy him the paper that is going to be appropriate for writing a book. And he, I would say that this is a good stopping point because this is when things start to get a little different because she does get him out of bed. He's sitting up in a wheelchair. She sets up a table I mean, he's able to actually, he's still in the room, but is he's at least able to be he's out mobile. of the bed. He's mobile on his own now. But she locks him in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah. So we are going to take a break. I don't actually know this song. But it's called Misery. Oh, all right. It's like a rockabilly thing going on. We'll be back. We're back from the podcast. We're back. Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing? I hope you're all good. I hope we're all safe. I hope we're tucking in our shirts. I hope we're putting on our seatbelts. What about tucking in penises? Wearing our belts. Uh, if that's uh, if safety's involved and you need to tuck in a penis, let's get those penises tucked. I'd in. say if you're going to be on any sort of amusement park ride, any sort of thing that's thrilling and dangerous you should probably tuck all of your dangling body parts inside let's tuck that genitalia people let's do it this is called the pen tap it makes people think that makes people think stop doing that (laughs) precisely you're still thinking all right stop doing that I'm a shit. You f- it's what I do. You feel good about that, right? It's what I do. Is is be a shit. I'm going to... Yeah, let's podcast. <laughs> okay. I like this. Woo! I don't like that. That was very wrestler Woo. in my ears. Woo. What was his name? Ric Flair. He's not... Woo! Wait, he's alive still, right? Yes! Okay, because, I mean, they're, for for different reasons, people who usually bang their brains around don't always live to be super old. True. And sometimes kill themselves and their family. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely... (laughs) (sighs) It's... Looking at you, Chris. Benoit happened before. Okay. So... We're talking about the movie. Ben, Misery. what happened here? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about the movie Misery. And we're at a pinnacle part of the movie. Because. Pinnacle. Pinnacle. So she is like, you need to change everything that you've been doing. You're with me now. I'm in control we're going to write a new book. You want this certain kind of paper. I'll go to the church. I'll go to the store and get the kind of paper that you want. Is there anything else I can get you? And he's like, no, that'd be great. Thanks. And she leaves. And we've already discussed briefly that he found 
one of her bobby pins on the floor and saved it because he just puts everything in his sweatpants. Why do you think she had sweatpants that were his size? And like sweatshirts and stuff. They were not the same size. He's smaller than her. Did she take luggage? I didn't see that. All I saw was his body and his bag. Unless she went back? Yeah, I don't know. It's the only thing I can think of. She could have gone back. Or, or Did she mention something about being previously married? She had been previously married. Maybe she had leftover clothes from her husband. Isn't that weird when people do that? Yeah. I would be like, no. It's weird both ways. You one, left clothes. Get the yeah, get one, them out of here. <laughs> one keeps the other. One keeping the other person's clothes is weird. And the person not wanting to take their clothes is also strange to me. Like, they're all right. It's like, ah, I don't have pants anymore. I broke up with my girlfriend. Yeah, those pants are just gone. Yeah, I broke done. up with those pants, too. Unless it was really bad and you just, like, can't show up. You just really hated those pants. Her but, brothers will literally murder me. But they were comfortable, like, sweat shirt, sweat pants situation and my true solid theory is she also grabbed luggage from the car okay so but she grabbed that bag yes with the book stuff in it so she obviously searched the car she did and he takes this opportunity to wheel himself over to the door as soon as she leaves and pick the lock open with that bobby pin which somehow in movies, people, <clears throat> all they need is a pin of some sort and they can get any fucking lock open they want. Well, it really is just being able, being strong enough to like that turn. Type, that it. type probably is. Yeah, those those old doors, yeah. which are neat. But he when he did it, he seemed like he had no, he was like, oh, like it really works. Like he didn't even oh, necessarily yeah. believe that he could do it. Yeah. But he was able to do it. Yeah, they added extra seconds into the cut to make it feel more like this guy's just fumbling around and just desperately like, please let this work. Please well, realistically, work. I think it would take a little bit of time to muster up the strength using a bobby pin to unlock a door. Probably. Maybe not, but if it's something you've never done before, I mean, you kind of genuinely know what you're supposed to do, but you don't necessarily know what you're supposed to do. I wouldn't know. What so to do. I think it makes sense that there would be a little bit of struggle. So I, I think it was realistic that they put that extra time in there. I remember when, you know how these doors in the house, you can push the door handle. Yeah. And like kind of turn lock it, it or whatever and it locks it. I remember when I figured out you can just A, that they locked and B, how to unlock them. Which is extremely easy. Just pushing something into the hole. Yeah, because the other side, yeah. the way to unlock it is to just stick something thin, well, like a pin or whatever. You just push a button. Boop. And you just push a button through it. Yeah. So anyone could unlock it from the other side. I remember when I figured that out, though, and the age I was, I was so like, oh, my God, I'm a fucking genius. I can pick locks, guys. Check this out. You, you don't think you were shown? You think you figured no, it out on your I own? Remember. I was definitely shown. I remember going around and being like, did you guys know these doors lock? I also don't know that I've ever had any sort of like genius revelation moments in my life. You've never felt good about yourself enough to ever go, I'm a fucking genius. <laughs> no, I don't think anything I've ever done is like deserving of that much. 
I'm kind of just. Uh, I'm fucking average. <laughs> I'm I'm average as hell. There's nothing special about me. Hello, listen to my podcast. <laughs> okay, so he he gets out of the room. He gets the door open. He rolls around. He he reala- He first goes to the front door, which seems to be it's right out side his door. Yeah, yeah, he's right there, right there. So you can see the front. You can see people driving in and out. It's kind of perfect for him, so he can know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And he he goes into a room across the hall a little, and he just kind of like looks around to see what she's about, what she has. He sees that there's a shrine of himself. There's a signed photograph of him. There, all of his books yeah everything everything like it looks like extra editions or something as well anything paul sheldon this bitch has got on her shelf she has a shrine to him she's got a paul sheldon dildo so she sees that that is uh is weird (laughs) (laughs) and uh just i think i can't even remember anything because it's not like she has weird like deer heads or like anything that's crazy but she does knickknacks She's knickknacks. She has shit knickknacks, but that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Like I think that's more humanizing yeah. Oh, yeah, of yeah, her. Yeah. yeah. That just makes her seem normal oh, and yeah. average. But it also makes her look like she may have lived in that house for a bit. Yeah, it looks homey in a way. Or like it could have come for from a, like inherit been inherited from someone else. Maybe. Who knows? Which would be insanely convenient for her to inherit a house right next to the place where her favorite uh author writes books at. It's n- near enough. It wasn't right next to it, but it was yeah, near it was enough. She, it near seemed enough. like she lived pretty close to where they at least they made it seem like she lived very close to where he wrecked. Absolutely. Like she didn't sure. have to actually go far. Um. So he's out of the room. He does see that she we all see based on a photograph that she has framed on her wall that she is a Liberace fan that fucking sexy scoundrel. Liberace, I don't understand him. <clears throat> well, you didn't see behind the is. candelabra nope, either. I don't know what he sings. I don't know what he does. I don't know if he sings. He sang and he okay. played piano. Gotcha. And he was extremely flamboyant, but obvi- he never came out, but he was very flamboyant. And he... I think he did like covers and stuff. I don't know how much of his stuff were originals but i know he did a lot of covers of other people's songs hmm. and just <clears throat> had a personality to him I, I don't really understand the selling point of liberace but i did watch the behind the candelabra movie from what you just told me it sounds like he's like safe clean kooky entertainment maybe like but classical almost yeah, he 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 kind of physically embodied the big over the top style that some of the classical music pianos players would play. That creeped me the fuck out cuz that sounded like hello. <laughs> the cats. Hello. Hello. Eddie used to do that in the middle of the night. I think it might be I think it's Paul who does that. Probably. He's the most vocal. I remember Eddie in the middle of the night, like at four in the morning, all of a sudden you'd hear at the end of the house. Hello. 
Hello. Now, it was creepy as shit because sometimes it would be clear. Hello. Hello. And I'd be like, oh my fuck. <laughs> It'd give you the chills even though you knew what it was. I thought he was going to kill us, but he was the first to die. So for sure. Fuck him. I'm just kidding. Edward became Deadward. He certainly did. Um, but Liberace is her favorite. And we learned that because she has a picture on her wall. So basically, <laughs> he's going around. He's scoping out the scene. He's trying to figure out what he can do, what he can learn his enemy at this point. Mm-hmm. Accidentally hits a penguin, knocks it over, catches it, puts it back where it belongs. And he's like, I'm safe. But it's clear that when he puts it on the table, they make it kind of. It's the way oh, it's yeah, shot, you know it's obvious yeah, that yeah. he didn't put it on right. And it's obvious that she is so. She's going to notice something like that. Like, she's anal. It's kind of obvious that she's anal. Yeah. She does anal. Yeah. All the time. Just who she is. She's an anal lady. I'll say this the whole time during his like first <clears throat> outing. Mm-hmm. Very tense. It is very stressful. Yeah, yeah. Because he, and he also he has to drag himself around. So he he gets to the kitchen, and he his chair doesn't fit through the kitchen, and he uh, he has to get out of his chair. And like crawl. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And he looks at knives, but he doesn't like take them or anything. Are you getting super tired? No, my eyes are very irritated right now, so I'm just closing them and listening to you and making sure my mouth stays in front of the microphone. (laughs) Continue. Okay, that's fine. Sorry. Um so he hears that she is coming back. Yeah. And he's like, fuck, and immediately like drags himself back up into the wheelchair and wheels himself back, realizes he has to close the door to the room right across the hall that he went into as he's going back because he wants to try it. He thinks he's putting everything back how it's supposed to, essentially. So he's he this entails that he realizes. Yeah, he hears her coming back. No, not that that he realizes she is anal enough to notice things. Yes. Enough that he does. And it's not like somewhat try and cover his tracks. It's not like there's not a lot of stuff because it looks like it's a thing. It looks like the house has been lived in for a long time yeah, based on the stuff like that's in there. House, yeah. And there's like, you know, a bunch of stuff there, but a bunch of useless, useless knickknack bullshit. But it seems like she would still know where everything oh, was yeah, placed, yeah, even though oh, there's yeah. a lot of stuff is kind of Absolutely. what I'm trying to say with Absolutely. this. And he gets back into the room just in time as she's walking up the stairs she accidentally drops the uh the um <clears throat> one of the what are they fucking called of paper a ream of paper that's right a ream i was like i know this but i always forget what it is it's one of the best words in the english language <laughs> ream ream cuz it's also what rams do rams ream I don't know. I'm talking about. Do you like think they ram someone's butthole? That's what I'm talking about. Are you, are you thinking about rams licking a butthole? No. Ow. What the hell's wrong with your arm that you're not doing anything with? <laughs> what the fuck? I'm getting weird, like electrical feeling pains oh, in no. my wrist. It makes sense because I type for a living. Oh no! You got the tendonitis. I Carpal tunnel. That's what they call it. Tendonitis. They call it tennisitis. Okay, Sam. They call it soccer elbow. So she drops the ream of paper. He drops the paper clip 
accidentally trying to get the door locked back from the inside. The bobby pin, but yes. God, I keep wanting to call it a paperclip, <laughs> but yeah, it's a bobby pin. But just in time, he gets it. No, he also does decide to take, while he's out, he sees where she keeps all of her Aaron Norval pills. Novel pills? They're novel. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He sees like the whole... the closet full of and he yeah medical supplies he does take a pack of the pills and put them in his pants because again everything that he needs and collects for the most part goes into his pants speaking of those pills novel novel is that a real thing no it's a i believe it's fictional are they is that pill designed to not only it's a kill pain but to knock him the fuck out too i think she was giving him high dosages okay. was kind of the right. what's supposed to be understood because he was just like sleeping a lot yeah he was like yeah he looked <laughs> fucked up a lot of the time and then she seemed to like do things and always look through his stuff and always know what was going on when he'd like come to that's true i didn't pick up on that and she'd just be like this other big thing's getting ready to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, I think she was drugging him. So, just in time, he's in the room. He's back where he needs to be set up next to this... Uh, what the fuck is it called? This typewriter. And she sees him and she's like, Oh, my God. Paul, you're covered in sweat. Oh, and he's drenched. He's drenched. Like it's, which I'm glad that they did that. It wasn't like he went through this whole ordeal yeah, of having yeah. to drag himself around by his arms. Not only the physical, like strenuous activity of just doing that without injury, but also adding, this fucking hurts so fucking bad. Plus, it's <laughs> been, I mean, he's also just been sleeping for like days. Yeah. So it's not like he has, he's just been laying in a bed and one of his shoulders is like also Fucked pained up. him yeah. so he is like not in the shape to really it takes a lot to drag yourself around a house by your goddamn absolutely <laughs> or at least around a room absolutely by your arms are you really struggling do you need something do you no. need to take like medicine or put on sunglasses nope. or something it's getting better okay looks like you are having a really rough time over there keep on keeping on i'm trying so He's back. He says that the reason why he looks the way that he does is because he's in pain and he needs pills right now. She's like, I'll get you in bed. And he's like, no, now, because I don't properly have these pills all the way covered. And they're going to rattle and you're going to hear them if you pick, when you pick me up and put me in bed. And you struggle because it was not you who clearly oh, yeah, yeah. filmed picking you up. It was Sasquatch. In the beginning. <laughs> um. <clears throat> but she does before he uh, passes out because she does get the pills for him and then he like situates himself so he can be placed in bed and she hands him paper and pen just in case he gets any ideas and he's like that's not gonna happen and <sighs> she's like think of me as your inspiration in a deep tone and I wrote it down because even though it's not a weird uh like oogie type thing think of me as your inspiration she's obviously it's creepy a, this is the point where she's obviously like in a love relationship with him on her side it's a one-way well love and he's starting to see because in the beginning he when she has her first freak out he's like yeah you know 
sometimes people lose their shit essentially yeah he has seen now (laughs) that it is not just that people lose their shit she loses her shit and then when she comes back from the store from being fucking pissed and almost like a wounded dog because he asked for something else and she just yeah she just can't believe that he put her in her place in any sort of way and then she comes back like nothing happened and everything's just great and uh I'll take good care of you. I'm so sorry that you're in so much pain. And are you okay? Yeah, you you're just looking down at your hands. You're not like yeah, talking I'm just, to I'm me just at all. Listening. Okay, just making sure. I don't, I don't have a lot to say. I don't have a lot of notes. You just have so much more notes to me, and you're so much more detailed. I'm just like, yep, he got out and he went back in. That's not true because <laughs> I was trying to not be as thorough before because I didn't want this to be a super long podcast but it's going to be a long podcast because then you're like well what about this and you're skipping over all this stuff and it's like well I feel like I now have to go through things a little more thoroughly than I wanted to but absolutely don't we can just go to the end (laughs) okay well I need to skim over some things because the way we're going to cut back to Buster the sheriff yeah and he's not able to figure anything out but he did find the car yeah, because the FBI doing... got involved. Not, maybe Was it the FBI? Or, no, it was the state I, police I, is what it was. Yeah, yeah. And they brought a helicopter and Buster was able to get in it. And I may, probably because he took him to where he thinks that he could have gone off the road. And he was able to finally, now that some snow has cleared, able to see the overturned car off the side of the road. And they presumed that he was dead. That they're like, if he got out, he probably <clears throat> is out there somewhere covered in snow dead. Uh, I was wondering <clears throat> if the internal thoughts of the character were like, fuck, I was literally right there. Probably. I fell in snow right there looking for any It was clue. right next to it. Right next to it. Mm-hmm. He was literally like four steps away from the car and then finds it helicopters. So I, I wondered if his character's mindset was i'm a fucking idiot or just yeah that's the way the cards fall you know at least i found it i don't know maybe he just um, maybe he didn't take it out on himself because it snowed so much you can't take it personally you cannot you can't see it because it was covered in snow like what are you gonna do i think i would be like i was right fucking there i mean that's (laughs) the thing like all you can really do and it's because it was on a hill as well (laughs) like it went down a hill so it's not like they can just start combing through that area when it's just covered in thick snow. Like, it's not safe. And it was just a small-time sheriff and his wife in the small town nearby. So it's not anything. It's not a big operation at all. Yeah. But they were able to find it, and then Buster gets on the ground. And for some reason, the state police isn't able to notice at all that there's clear damage and it's obvious that his door has been pried open by a, a crowbar. Like it's just clear, clearly bent. It's clearly been pried open <laughs> from the outside. It's weird that the only person who notices it is old Buster. Yeah, I guess you assume they're all like, yeah, there's just damage over the whole car. It went off a fucking edge of a cliff. Do you think that this movie is also like pro old people? Like respect the old people because they're wiser than they seem? Uh, I guess, but this character feels very Stephen King, wise man who's like got quippy things to say. Mm-hmm. Is it necessarily like the dashing 
like hero kind of guy. He's kind of like a past his prime. Go lucky. Yeah. Is he going to have enough to do it? But you know he has enough to do it. But you know something. Yeah. What's going to happen to him? You know, that's what you feel the whole time. It feels like a classic <clears throat> Stephen King character. Yeah. So he thinks he doesn't know what's going on. But the police are just ready to say he opened the door, crawled out. He's dead somewhere. We'll wait and see what happens. Yeah. But that's what we're on. And they Buster's said we didn't find any luggage. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Uh, but he Buster was just like, no, he was obviously pulled out. Someone pulled him out. He's somewhere, but wasn't able to figure it out. And, and what's kind of tell at this part that he like wants to. Uh, he's not able to give it up. He almost, uh, not even that. He's almost like, well, these fucking guys are off the case. This one's mine now. Like, move on out, boys, because I know I got a hot lead going on. You guys are fools. I can't wait to make you look stupid. Well, I don't think that he's vindictive like that. Like, I don't think he is trying to, like, one-up those guys. I think it's that he just knows kind of how they maybe aren't going to pay his attention to detail because they don't know the area as well. And they don't know like how things work and how things like he just, maybe there's something about aren't being you, a small town. Cause I totally, I'm just thinking of him just being like, I can't wait to show these fucking guys when I find this guy alive. Well, I mean, be like, got him motherfuckers. Stephen King almost always wrote about small towns too. They were never like big cities that these things happened in. It was like small, smaller towns, so, I mean, country some of the stories. Folk. Yeah, there's a lot of main uh, settings. So yeah, you're right. It's a lot of stuff in Maine. Yeah, that's true. It's definitely true. Uh, we also have. So we actually we have nothing. No one has any actual, like, yeah, he thinks he has a lead, but nothing is actually happening. Um, But his way to handle it, he's like, if I can't, if I don't know what's going on, I'm going to go out. I'm Buster. I'm the old sheriff. I'm going to buy every single one of his books. Yeah. And even though he had asked previously, uh, the guy who sells them, if he had, like, the latest copy, and he didn't, but he was sold out. Yeah. That uh, he just comes home with every single book and he just like obsessively starts reading every novel. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if it gives him some, I don't know if it actually gives him any insight at all. Like it's a, it's just a weird step to me because it doesn't seem like any investigator, like if a writer is involved, they would think I have to read everything this writer ever did because it's they went off the side of the road. Yeah, no, <laughs> like, it's merely... It's weird. It's not a realistic thing at all. It's merely a written vehicle to get him to that one quote that somehow sparks his memory. Like, hey, wait a minute. I, he, yeah. In that instance that he first reads it in bed, and you, you, it's like, oh, he just likes the quote. Yeah. But like, you know, eventually you find out maybe he saw that quote before and that's why it's stuck in his head. Or... It, well, I mean, it was something, it was prominent to Annie. Yeah. So, so he had to have so read maybe it in that article before. He just knew it was a powerful quote and it affected him as well. 
So when he read it with the Annie news story, because yeah, originally the first time he didn't read the story the first time, he would have had to. That's the only way he connects the dots. I don't know if that's necessarily true because he sees her in public being kind of crazy, yeah. and then he follows up on it. I don't think he just like knows and thinks about I thought, her this it, went, whole time. I thought it went like this. He reads the book in bed. He does. Gets the quote. He does. He writes it down because he's like, I like this quote. Then he sees Annie in town yelling cocky doodle or whatever the fuck she says. Do you have that written down? Of course I do. What is the term she likes to yell? She calls him a conca duty. A cock And then she says, you poo. Again, a, you poo. Oh, poo. Uh, well, she calls the guy, the guy driving by who's talking at her. No, she says, you poo to oh. him. So he sees that going down, and then I thought, then he's like, oh, yeah, that quote. I remember that, because then he goes and reads the newspaper about her incidents. He was reading all kinds of stuff, though. He didn't just go straight to that. He was looking at all different kinds of stuff. He spent some time in the library. Yeah, about her, though, right? I don't remember it specifically. I think he's looking at about her looking for that quote so he can confirm. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. And then he follows up. I don't up. think most people are going to remember. I, I think That's the stretch. I feel like th- I think you're stretching. I think that's reading a I'm little more. Totally fucking right. <laughs> oh, my God. So this is the part of the movie right here. It's the only way he can connect. Go ahead. Oh, my God. This is the part of the movie where Sam falls asleep. Hey, I have a note right here. I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> this is not the first viewing though, so I did see it. This is it's an important part of the movie. It definitely happened. Sam fell asleep and he missed uh, uh, some of it and I paused I paused it and I literally stared at him for 5 to 10 minutes and it's weird how much when you are like half asleep but like kind of asleep <laughs> on the couch how much you're still kind of awake because you still regularly, like every minute or two, rub your belly. Like it was kind of a lot. And you kind of sway your head around. Or you kind of like, like I thought, I was like at any point you're going to open your eyes. And for so long you didn't. And then you finally rolled your head around and opened your eyes. And just like looked around and looked at me. And you're like, yep. <laughs> and you thought it was like a very short-lived thing. And yeah. Like when I told you, like, no, this, this has been, it's been about ten minutes. <laughs> you were shocked. Yeah. But it was just ten minutes that I had stopped it. You had been asleep for a little bit, I think. It's fine. I saw it once, at least. That's fair. Yeah. But I don't think you missed a whole lot. I don't even know what we're talking about. I think about. In ma- at max you would have missed like 15, 20 minutes. But you said this was the second viewing? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. But I thought that was an important part of the movie. Um, <clears throat> she, you did mention how Annie is in love with Paul. Yes. And it really comes out because... Let me see here. Okay, yeah, I haven't gotten to that yet. So, I can't remember. Oh, no, it's raining. That's what it is. It's just raining. And Annie comes in to give Paul his pills one evening. 
and she like her mood is just always super chipper and positive and like i want to inspire you or i mean for the most part yeah and she is like drab like her hair looks super greasy it's down in a way we've never seen it It, it's always at least like you know parted yeah side of it is you know pinned up tended to of some sort yeah and she just looks rough she's just wearing a robe she just looks filthy she says that the rain gets her down so i think this is when you really see because you notice like that she's crazy or what and she like you know because she has her moments her breaks from being super high but this is when you really see her have like a low moment i don't think you don't really see her just being low until mm-hmm. this no this is just it's another angle of her she's not just chipper she's not just crazy crazy she's also like i want to fucking die so she's clearly sick so when it comes down to the way that she handles things what do you actually think that her mental diagnosis would be like is she like manic depressive bipolar like is that that's what we're talking about here because there's also violence like she's also a violent person so that's more than just i don't know i'm not a doctor i don't wouldn't know how to i want to say like i don't want to say schizophrenia but i would say something with like I, so I was, manic depression with violent tendencies or something like that yeah because manic depression is a i mean i think that's essentially it's bipolar i think they i think the names are kind of one of the same. Is there is there something that means like outrages? <clears throat> like you have temper tantrums a lot? Probably. Like outrage burst syndrome or something like that. Yeah, they're all different kinds of So terms, I would say things. that is probably part of the anger, prone to violence, prone to anger. Because we don't she, really know what happened. And there is the show Castle Rock on Hulu. The first season... I mean, like, the second season, eventually, like, it ties in a little to the first season, but the they're essentially different. And the second season gives you their version of, like, the, the earlier, the younger Annie Wilkes and kind of leading up to what she would have become. become. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. So she was an actual nurse in this uh-huh. Castle Rock. Yeah. This so-called Castle Rock. In Castle Rock. And I get Castle Rock was the name of uh, Rob Reiner's movie company. Gotcha. So I wonder if that was picked up in there or if it was just used in an adaptation. Who knows? I don't know where that comes in. Um, but she leaves again I, I i wrote that i said why did she leave i think that's when she goes to the store because i think that this is when buster sees her being like no it's in the middle of the night when she's all depressed from the rain she says the rain gives me the blues and she's like i've got this gun well i'm thinking i might I put, may go put bullets, bullets in it and she left it. but that's not when he got out of the room again though i felt like that was a different time that was during the day Am I wrong? No, it is when he gets back out because it's when he finds the book. Yeah. He just finds the book and he takes <clears throat> the knife. Okay, so yeah. I just wasn't sure if that was the exact same time exact. or you if just it was just close. There's just no reason for her to leave. It's just another one of those like, so she's having I an just episode. go drive. 
<laughs> she's having an episode. Yeah, yeah. So one thing that we do see is that she has a vote Nixon banner when he gets out again. So she definitely voted for Nixon if she votes. Woo! Uh, and then we do see that she has a scrapbook that she left out. And it includes information regarding like all of the posts in the newspaper articles about him being missing and that him they're finding his vehicle he's presumed dead uh according to that though he had only been missing for like a week or so so it's i guess the book stretches the timeline out a lot longer and there's a lot more torture that happens and did it say gone one week yeah there was a newspaper clipping i guess that he looked at that said that he had he'd been missing for like a week or so. Well, she could so have, she could have clipped that out six months prior. No, it was about it had like pictures of them. It was like in the newspaper article. It had like a picture of them having pulled his car up and stuff. Oh, I think the real length of time happens after what's coming up. Well, from what I saw in one of the videos, the time frame is longer in the book than it is in the movie. Oh, okay. It is shortened. But the length of time that does happen in this movie for him to get the book done is like a is coming up week and a half to two this. weeks at this point, but makes it stay a little longer. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that that's what he would have seen, like in the newspaper article in the scrapbook. That's what yeah. I'm not talking about yeah. the future. I'm talking yeah, about yeah. what he saw in that moment. Yeah. But we also don't know what the date is that he saw it at that time. So you could have had that clipped four weeks prior. <clears throat> but it was like one of the, I think it was like one of the last things because it was out because she was updating it. I think that's why it was out. Yeah, maybe. I'm just saying. It's a possibility. You're being combative. I'm not being I'm gonna combative. I'm punch you in the mouth. I'm saying that the timeline is not confirmed. There's no date given, so you can't say. Okay, but I'm just saying that I did some research, and that was the suggestion, or the consensus, is that the time was shortened in the movie. From the book. Cool. Okay. And then we see... (laughs) I don't know why that was spent so much time on, but uh, let's see here. We do see the scrapbook. That's the whole point of yes. this. And she has her past clippings from newspapers as well. And this part is confusing to me. Um, so it does talk about the infant deaths, like you mentioned. Yes. And it, I guess she also worked at like a nursing home and there were old people who died. Is something that one of the videos said. I don't remember seeing that but i mean these are people who have like hello who have paused it and like actually seen what the newspaper clippings say and tried to read things as well as they could and like when you would see pages of the book they would pause it and like see what things that were actually being written and like a lot of times it was gibberish. Like it wasn't anything that meant anything. It wasn't like giving stuff away. Um, but it's still interesting to, you know, do that if you're really into something. I'm sure you've probably paused it to see what things say. No nope. movies that you love. 
<laughs> Not that I can think of. I take it face value pretty much. But there's no I explanation to sense. any of that. Just that she was fired from jobs and was arrested at some point. Was there stuff about like her stepfather or something like that? Like people she was related to that were also shoved off of high uh, altitudes, <laughs> like off of a building or something. I don't remember that. What a couple of the first clippings when it gets to like her past of death. It said like someone falls from blah blah blah. blah. Someone else falls, and then it transitioned into the babies so she's just it's like laying out this history of she's just killing people if if it's a problem she's not afraid to eliminate with force and it's weird that they're able to see the common denominator arrest her but we know nothing that came about we don't know why she was killing babies and old people like why was any of this happening (laughs) like none of it makes sense no and they don't give any explanation for it It, all you can figure out is it seems like she got away with it. Like, the, the only thing that makes sense is that she maybe served some time. Yeah, or maybe. she is, Or she fled and found the perfect place to hide. Yeah. Which is a cabin in the middle of nowhere where it snows a lot and you get stranded inside True. right outside of a tiny town where yeah. all you have is an old sheriff who tells jokes and doesn't ever do anything. Be self-sufficient. That way you don't have to mingle with that many people and they don't figure out who the fuck you are. Yeah. Yeah. So he's out again. We do. He does get out and it doesn't seem like he has as much time here, but he does get back into the kitchen and he does. He does make sure that he has the time to grab a knife. Yeah. This doesn't go in his pants. This goes in his sling. The sling. How do you know all these words that I'm forgetting? I'm smart. Or you just know uh, things that are used for people who have hurt themselves. That's what being smart means. Splints and slings. Splints and slings and wheelchairs and dings. Okay. Wings. And rings. The show wings. (laughs) God damn it. God damn it, what? Comedy genius. Fucking Tony Shalhoub. Oh, it's pronounced Shalube. Gotcha. Shalube? Shalube. <laughs> okay. You keep pulling me away from the goddamn movie. Tone Shalube. <laughs> you finish. I'm fucking done. All right, I can't I, talk I, past I can, you. I can do this real fast. <laughs> okay. So, what the fuck? He gets back. He... Has been stashing. I I think she gives him two pills. I think he was taking one pill and keeping one pill back for a while is what it looked like. And then he also grabbed that pack of pills that he had. And he decided to, to use the paper that she gave him to write ideas to make a little like envelope type pouch and empty all of this medication into to save to give to her. Um, but he also, so he had already cut a part in the mattress where he was just shoving pills in. Now he has this knife. He shoves it in between the mattress and the box spring. So he feels like he's prepared for everything, you know, to defend himself. Yeah. And, uh, 
he just goes to sleep for the night, right? She comes well, back because it's like the night. He practices while she's still gone because she's still off on her like, I need to calm down, drive, I guess. Mm-hmm. And remember, he's got the knife in his sling and he's going whoosh, whoosh and practicing pulling it out and slicing her. I think he's playing it on. I think he expects her to come back and go fucking ape shit again. Yeah. One. And even if she's not going to go ape shit, he's already decided when she gets back, it's fucking going down. When she comes in here, I'm going to play it all cool. And then when she gets close, it's fucking stabbing time, man. Well, and I'm I'm guessing that the, the notion is that she was gone for a long time, so he fell asleep. Like he um, he put uh, things away where they were supposed nah, to go, but he fell no. asleep. She comes home, and then he waits for her to come in. She kind of she walks by, and she stops at the door, and you see her feet oh, that's in the right. lights. And then she walks by, and you hear the TV turn on. And that's when he knows she's not coming in. For that's the night. right, because she lays in bed and watches a lot of shit TV and drinks like two liter Coca Cola classics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. eats. I mean, because she's at least making like hospital cafeteria type food for him. For him, yeah. And then she's just like laying in bed eating cheese Garbage. puffs and stuff and watching gar like the worst type of TV at the time. I feel like that was kind of emphasized. Yeah. That it was always like cheesy game shows and. Yeah, for sure. Just, yeah. Kind of the garbage of the time. Yeah. And, uh,. So that leads for her to run so in. So that's right. I forgot that part. To run in. She's decided. She is back. And then he goes to bed. Yeah. Puts the knife under the bed and says, all right, she's not coming in. Might as well get some rest. Yeah. No point in me being sleepy tomorrow when I'll be ready to stab her tomorrow. I'll be fresh faced for the stabbing tomorrow. <laughs> you need a fresh face for stabbing. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to be all sleepy eyed and cross eyed. You want to make sure that you hit your target. For sure. It makes sense to me. It does to me as well. Uh, the problem is, though, is that when he wakes up, she's standing over him. My idea is that somehow she pumped more drugs in him or something. No. It's, no, wait. This, isn't, this hasn't even happened yet. This is the classic scene. He wakes up. The lightning flashes. You see her face. You've seen that scene a thousand times. They always use it in compilations for like movies and stuff. Or movie compilation kind of stuff. And then she syringes his ass in the arm to knock him out more. Oh, that's okay. That's what it she is. She knocks him the fuck she out. She did drug him. And then when he wakes up from the drugging, he's all like... So I think... <laughs> I, I, it feels like when that happened, she probably noticed that her penguin was no longer facing due south. I'm assuming that's what it was because she was able to... I, she, think, I think that was the first thing that probably let her know that he was for out. Sure. I think she knew it the first time it happened from the instance and then was like, hmm, that's supposed to be going this way. And then he got out the second time. Of course she's going to notice the fucking knife is gone out of that thing. Yeah. So she's already figured it out. Like, hey, he's getting out. And he got out again because I know that knife wasn't gone. Early. That makes sense. So then she's like, well, got to search his room. Knock him the fuck out. So when he wakes up. I bet she she knew that he, yeah, she knocked him out before she searched the room. Oh, yeah. She knocked him out. Knowing that he had a knife. Search everything. So, search his butt when he's knocked out. So, yeah. So when he wakes up, he realizes that he is strapped to the bed. And it would take having to be knocked out. 
to be strapped to a bed. Yeah. And this is... I don't know what he did, but when he wakes up, the noises he makes, or he like starts talking, and he's like... Oh, I don't want any Because oh, yeah, he's so, he's really fucked up. You can yeah, see it in his eyes and stuff. His up. eyes are like rolling back and red yeah. and squinty. He, he hasn't looked like this. <laughs> this is the scene. This is the scene. This that is the, the scene. This is the scene that the movie is known for. That's the scene everybody talks about. This is... <laughs> This is when shit gets crazy. I mean, like, cause you you see that she's being weird. You see that she's getting violent. You see that she has an attitude, um, but she never actually like. Yeah, I don't know. This is this is another pivotal moment. I, I guess I should say she's never actually been violent towards him except that one time when she slammed the, the paper table. down on his legs. Oh, she slammed the table next to him. Yeah, yeah. She never like, hit threatened him. him. It was just violence around him and then she and then the slamming of the paper on his lap which of course his legs are so fucked up now it's now it's getting serious time Ugh. okay so this this point this part has never been easy for me to watch to this i i've seen it many times i've seen the clip watch mojo on youtube oh, loves love playing love this <laughs> and it is brutal. I can yeah. only imagine watching this scene. Not that there hadn't been other brutal scenes, but it looks so good. Yeah. And it's it's kind of, it's fast and it's it's not super close up. Like I think the way that it's it's shot is really well. Oh yeah, the angle's perfect. But before we get to that, she comes in like she's had a fucking epiphany. Like everything is clear to her. That she's in this like fucking crazy manic state at yeah. this point. Oh yeah, she's going like Bill Paxton frailty frailty mode, mm. except not killing a bunch of people. Just, I love Bill Paxton. Just uh, she's just in that mode of divine intervention. You know, I am chosen. Yeah, uh, and I don't even remember the specifics right now, to be honest. But I know that she is speaking about how was it it was was it mine workers it was uh, someone who tried I to like remember what the workers what type of workers they were but they're like trying to steal or diamond get workers. away i think it was like stealing or something diamond miners so they wanted the whole thing she she tells them this you know that they they didn't want to keep them they wanted them to still be able to work but they wanted them to know that they you don't fucking cross them and they're going to make it to where you have no other choice to like be their slave essentially. Cause you're, yeah, it's just a fucking mess. So there's this whole thing called hobbling apparently that they would do. My, the last note of this movie I have <sighs> yes. is for this scene. Okay. And the only thing I wrote for it is hobble time. And then I thought immediately after I wrote wrote it, sorry. Do 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 do. How about time? Do 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 I like that. I appreciate that. Thank you. I do want to ask, since you finally got to see the full scene, was it? I mean, was it still effective? Like, was it still creepy and crazy how it was supposed to come across to you? Well. I've seen that full scene many times. Yeah. That full scene. But I mean, seeing it in the movie, finally, did it like, 
was it any different or did it like hold any uh, more meaning? It or? Just, just made a little more sense in the continuity of things as to why it was exactly happening. Because mm-hmm. doesn't she explain it why she's doing it as like, I mean, she explains like the technique, why it was used for these other people and where she got the idea from. But isn't it like she's realized that it, he's starting to heal too much and like he's feeling like he doesn't need her anymore. Yeah. She so wants him to still be. Make him yes. Like an invalid again. Well, not that's invalid, why. Yeah. You know. Like where he. Yeah. So like where they'd have no choice but to be a slave. Yeah. So because she still wants him to work. She still wants him to write the misery returns and and time. And it's a good time to learn a lesson. Kind of like, like you said, yeah, you keep like, fucking like, around motherfucker. Like teach a this lesson. Is, this is offense one. And I'm doing this. Teach them, <laughs> but not kill them because you want them to suffer and you still want to get something out of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, Let's you know your place. I guess it's it's truly fucked up. Um, but so this is where I want to talk about it. It's a little different from the book. So I guess that okay, they in in the book she cut off Paul's foot. Oh, all right. And they were going to do it, and like they wanted to do it. Kathy Bates was down to do it. It's just that. James Conn didn't want his foot cut off. It was just... <laughs> well, I guess she she cut it off and she cauterized it with a blowtorch. Is huh. how it happened in the book. But Sounds pretty they fucking just, brutal. Rob Reiner thought it was a little too much for him. Like It was yeah. just not something that he... Th- I, he probably just didn't think he could pull it off super well. A lot harder to film, too, I would think. Yeah, like... He and just didn't... It, like Like how I think sometimes just showing a little of something... And then cutting away like they did, and they didn't even show both feet. Which was a good move. They shouldn't have shown both feet. I think a little goes a long way in a yeah. situation like that. Yeah. Which I that's what I like about thrillers. <laughs> they give you the perfect amount. Like you see that foot bend Ugh. and just as your mind's like comprehending what's going Ugh. on, it cuts away. And then you're like, Did I just see that? Like and then naturally your mind later fills in way more mm-hmm. than you actually saw. I like things that allow your imagination to kind of play a little bit yep. and that allow you to kind of yep. ask questions instead of just laying everything uh-huh. out and being like graphic and brutal and just being uh-huh. like, here's everything that you want. The older I get, the more that's the way I feel. I used to be a gore hound. And yeah. now I'm kind of like, I, I know, like original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not that gory. Everything that happens is kind of like not really shown. It's in your head. It's like creepy. Yeah, like when he chainsaws the kid in the, the wheelchair. Everybody thinks it's like this big evisceration scene. You see everything. and it's, No, it's a behind mm-hmm. shot. You don't see him getting hit at all. You just see a chainsaw going like this and blood just flying. Like you don't see any gore. So one other thing. It, 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 it's effective. I think it's effective. It's very effective. Um, just like some people say that it's sexier to see a woman like in a revealing outfit or like in a bikini versus just straight seeing her naked because it leaves <laughs> yeah, more to yeah. the imagination. Yeah. And you can imagine like the most perfect whatever you want, like, and then you or get you it. Just, and, just imagine, I want to take that off my teeth. <laughs> yeah, that too. I'm just saying all of a sudden she takes her top off and she has huge pancake nipples and you're like, oh, that's not what I expected. Or you're like, hey, I, I have wanna, no problem with that. I want to put some syrup on them nips. 
Ooh, I like my pancakes with butter. Take me to Waffle House. And I guess that also uh, she didn't like the end of his book as well in the in the book and cut his one of his fingers off. So it was more brutal. Oh, he wow. he was tortured a little more in the book, I would say. He lost a goddamn finger. <laughs> like that's it would have just been way harder to that's film. Huge. And it would have been so like out of nowhere gore. Like Yeah. Like, ah, what? <laughs> so one thing that I think is interesting that you see is in the scrapbook, kind of going back a little bit, is it calls her Dragon Lady. Like there are so many things because I, I wanted I made sure I wrote that down because I thought it was odd. Or no. Hold on. Okay. Okay, I think Dragon Lady may have actually come when Buster was doing research at the library because he was looking at things as well. And there was like a newspaper article or something. She probably wouldn't put Dragon Lady clippings in. Yeah, I don't she know. Just put the clippings in where she's the winner. But it said in quotations like it was it was like a name for her in the press that she was known as the Dragon Lady. Yeah. Nothing is explained and it drives me nuts. Like it kind of makes sense that someone decided to try and do some sort of a like background type like show of her on Castle Rock. Yeah. But it doesn't line up with this at all. Like it's a whole other thing. Like she stole a baby. Hmm. And I think she told she yeah, she told someone that their baby died or something like that, but she actually stole it. But it just nothing actually lines up and tells excuse me, anything about like it doesn't give you any insight into the movie. It doesn't try and actually connect it's smart of them though back into the movie. Stomp on that area then people will be like too precious about it or give it a stopping point yeah. and just be like this is it because they i think that she i think she saw like a book by paul sheldon or something at the end of it i can't uh. remember but it, it was not anything like the facts the dragon lady the old people I mean, dying and, to start you know they didn't show you that story <sighs> there's just a lot it's that the beginning didn't, yeah i don't really know um but What is weird to me is just that Buster is able to figure out by doing a little bit of research just that Annie is a super fan and that it's possible. I don't, I just, I still don't understand the connection that Buster makes to thinking that he might be at her place from doing his research. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's actually good. Or just that she's I mean, like known way, to be obsessive. The way he got to the newspaper thing to research her, to and he did that, find that quote, quote, like you said, is ridiculous. Now, what does make a little bit of sense is him going to the bookstore and asking him, you know, do you have any copies? Hey, do you have any copies of this? Hey. Did blah, blah, blah ever buy one of those? Oh, yeah. She's first one in here. She always says reserve. Then that that confirms, oh, she's a fan. And he's chasing any lead at this point. He knows somebody pried him out of that fucking car. Yeah. So he's just following any lead at this point. But this is also my idea. He doesn't have the the latest book. He's probably, if, if he's able to sell these Paul Sheldon books... Is he literally ordering one copy for Annie 
because it seems like other people in the area would also be buying these books for him to be sold out. Yeah. So it's weird to just narrow it down to her unless, once again, that's part of the details that were cut out. Like, if, if there's more of a connection, There could I have been more connection stuff that was cut out, and they just put in the minimal amount that they needed to string it together. But if you look at his book section, it's nothing. It's just like one of those little circular racks. So even if he's selling out in that town, it might be three. Yeah, but it's one of those racks that really focus on like fantasy novels for old ladies. I, or sci-fi books or comic books. I remember... No, I mean, it, what it looked like, the display that he had looked like it was specifically like a fantasy novel uh, for women display. Uh, okay, <laughs> romance novel like, and shit. Like because they live in a place where there's not much going on at all. It's a small town spaced yeah. out. It makes sense that people might be into books. Yeah. It was just like a general store too. It looked like he had fucking everything. Yeah, but I, I just, got it, ham. I got books. I got rope. It just seems like there may have been more of a demand other than Annie. Yeah. That makes me wonder if there a was some bit. narrowing it down that happened or if he just, it was immediately to Annie, stuck on Annie with Buster. I think just, I'm going to take a guess that the book probably connected it more. And then this movie just had to like make the most tiny amount in there because they wanted as much acting time as possible with James Conn and Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. And uh, fucking, what was his name? Buster? Richard Farnsworth. Yeah, Buster. I mean, he's great on film, so they're going to want as much of him <laughs> as possible, too. Well, let's steer towards the end of this movie. Let's Because we're it. pretty much there. Yeah, and we are going. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, it's fine. Um, I'm not insulting when I say these things. I'm just saying. Long. Is it really that bad? There are two hours and 25 it makes sense. <laughs> the movie ones are always over two hours. It's usually about two and a half. It makes sense. So Buster feels like he needs to follow up on Annie. He goes to the house unannounced. He's coming down the, her long driveway. And James... Sorry, I thought I smelled a fart because the dog's in here sleeping. That happens sometimes. Um, I smelled something earlier too, so... Who knows? There's something just moving around. Or it's my breath. Who knows? Could be my feet. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Who knows? Could be my breath for me. <laughs> Just different smells. Anyway, he follows up. He's coming down the driveway. Uh, old Paul Sheldon is like, fuck yeah, a cop is coming. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to, something's going to happen here. I'm getting ready to holler. And here she comes again with her syringe, just running in the room and just jams that thing in his fucking arm. Yeah, she just like stabs him with it. Like, I don't care where this, if this goes into this cartilage. This stuff has got to go in somewhere. Who cares? This yeah. is just, uh, this is going in your arm and knocks him out. And she just like throws him in the basement. Yeah, I... When we watched the second time and she got him out of the chair from the top, I was like, does she just drop him down the stairs? And then the very next scene, she like lays him down, is down at the bottom, laying him down. But I thought it would have been hilarious if she's just like, I got to make moves. Just chucked him down. It's interesting because there there are definitely parts that they didn't film and edit out because there's no way Kathy Bates would have been like, they would have been like, okay, let's film this scene of you walking him down the steps 
on oh, your yeah, no. back. But what's interesting is that <clears throat> why is there a pentagram drawn? Am I supposed to be seeing the fact that there's a pentagram drawn around your belly button with the words butt slut <laughs> written above it on your body in pen? <coughs> What kind of weird ritualistic stuff are you doing with Mel during the day? I did it right in front of you at this table while we're on break when you were looking through songs. I was just sitting here drawing on my stomach and I was just waiting for you to see me. Butt slut. And then it never happened and then I forgot about it. So as I was just rubbing my belly button, I legitimately forgot about it. And you're like, was it because you saw my face reacting all of a sudden to seeing a pentagram as you're rubbing your belly? I saw you looking at me and I was like, she's going to give me shit for like, Scratch my belly button. And then as soon as you said, why is there a pentagram? I remembered, oh, yeah, I wrote butt slut on my stomach. You are <laughs> a weird-ass person. So what I was saying butt was, on those tiny little beautiful pink nipples. Hi. <laughs> is that your nipples saying hello to me? Yep. In unison? Okay. So. We're talking unison. What's interesting is that it's not a regular door to the basement. It is a like surprise spring door that you push on oh, and it yeah, pops yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly hidden, you could definitely see the line. But it's but still supposed still... to be like kind of incognito. Yeah, you're hoping they'll give it a second glance. Don't lean against that wall because it might uh. pop back out at you. Um, cop comes in. It's all like nice and weird. Uh, I really like the scene where she she insists that she gets him some cocoa because it's already made. Oh yeah, well he's interrogating her and like he's asking, asking questions. questions. He's yeah. looking around. He's trying to get a feel for the yeah. Things. And she still insists that she should leave the room and get him a drink though because it's like the nice thing to do. Yeah, I personally really liked the scene for some reason. I thought it was like wonderfully creepy, but like subtle and kind of cheesy at the same time, but like and not in a bad way. When he wanted to escape and go upstairs and she, they just yeah. did that like kind of back and forth peekaboo thing yeah. down the hall. I really, I liked that scene cause <laughs> I just liked how they looked and I don't know. It's just, it's yeah. those, those weird little like comedic, like physical comedy things that it's like serious, but it's also it, kind of goofy. It's it. You, I like those moments because it's, it's pointing out the awkward moments in life where you're just like, because, you know, she says, I'm going to do something. And they're looking at each other, you know, and then they like go to their respective, you know, they're in two different rooms. They pop out and look at each other in the hallway. Smell again. And then they, it's probably my breath. And then, it smells like rotten cheese. Yeah, rotten cheese. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, and then they pop out of view of each other. And then they pop back in view of each other. And then that second view, they're like, <laughs> mm-hmm. that awkward little laugh. Everyone's had that little awkward laugh where, like, you don't know what to say or do or something just happened, and you're just like, <laughs> and everybody knows, like, well, this is kind of weird. But we've all had, like, a weird moment like that. So it's so like, it's even great if it's great when it's in a movie, then it's kind of cheesy, but it's like it humanizes it and makes it feel more real, I think. And it makes it extra special when it's in a tense moment. We all know mm-hmm. he's in the fucking basement. Not we everything is he's so cut right and dry. Yeah. Like, sometimes you do have those moments where, like, <laughs> Yeah, you're kind of stalled, but the fact that they actually like would ma- they made eye contact eventually and just kind of had that awkward yeah, like exchange, good. and then she went 
into the kitchen and he just fucking ran up up those creaky <laughs> stairs yeah, yeah. as if she, she wasn't knows gonna what's know. going on like there's no sound it's not like the tv was left on right. <laughs> and i was thinking the whole time like he's making no he's not trying to be quiet he's not trying to be quiet and even in the beginning he's not trying to be secretive about it at all he's just straight up like yeah, I'm here to look in your house. Like uh-huh. He's in looking around. He's not making any. Yeah, I thought like the first visit would just be like that. I'm getting the feel for it. I'm trying to see if I. No, man, think. he's a cop. Cops do what they want. <laughs> he's just in it. He doesn't yeah, need he a warrant to search. He just fucking searches. Well, I mean, he got around it when she invited let him, him in. Come in. Yeah, it's true. And he went upstairs and I don't remember what it was that he was even looking at. Because then he like turns around and she's right there with the cup of cocoa. Yeah, I don't think it ended up being important. Maybe it wasn't. It's just that he was looking and then she obviously found him because, of course. Of course. She knew he as soon as he went up the first step. <laughs> but he didn't even seem to be like... Like, he didn't care that she caught him. It's just, how can I get up here without you trying to stop me? Yeah. If you, you're going to come up here, but I just need to see without you. Yeah. Because uh, he didn't seem to care. Like, he seemed pretty confident in his old man ways of how he handled business. Uh, but then I can't remember exactly how it happened. Because did they walk back downstairs? Because I know that there was a well, crash. She's trying to, well, she's trying to give him she's the trying to get him hot to leave. cocoa or whatever. And he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm out of here. See you. I'm oh. leaving. And he walks downstairs. And he goes out the front door. And then as he's, he's walking off the front porch, you hear, because James Conn's in the basement, you know, moving around a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And I just couldn't remember crash. how he got out of. He just off left. The, but yeah, he did just decide, no, I'm not going to drink that. Because I think that's why I feel like he, I think he saw something that like. Yeah, I can't remember what was in the room, but he made was him like, feel weird. Like it gave him some sort of assurance. Almost like a confirmation. And he almost like wanted to get out of there to come back. Like he like didn't trust to take a drink from her. Like it that seemed too. That like too, for it, sure. it just seemed like he had it figured out. I don't remember yeah. what it was though. I didn't write it down. Sorry, but he was leaving, but he was leaving. And then yeah, he's, Boom, he's outside <laughs> Jimmy Con. He wakes up because he hears the footsteps and he is right next to that grill that was used to burn his book. So oh, yeah, it is the same grill. <laughs> it was disgusting i do want to say it looked like it had been like in a dirty area because when she pulled it into the room earlier to burn the book it was nasty it was nasty it wasn't like we're just gonna buy this grill and use it in this movie it's like they borrowed someone's dirty ass grill looks like they got someone to agree to let him use that house and they went out in their shed and they're like hey there's a grill right there Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh but he knocked it over boom crash Boom, crash. All of a sudden... Buster's on the scene. He's like... But Buster runs back into the house. And still doing the proper thing, he says... Uh, He's asking Annie, if Annie... You if all she's right, okay. Annie? You all right? And then uh, he doesn't know where she's at, but... Oh, yeah. She's, in, she's nowhere. She's gone. But Paul hears him, and he's yelling. And, of course, you know, since he's a sheriff, he follows the sound of the voice. <clears throat> he quickly... Pushes, figures out he can oh, push on the wall. That yeah, door is nothing for Buster. <laughs> that push spring door, he had to figure it out the second he saw it. Opens it up, sees uh, mangled Paul Sheldon at the bottom of the stairs. Like, he, help me. Yeah, so it's like, okay, it's, it's worth it. I mean, he wasn't like morphed into, 
you know, a tusked animal or anything. He wasn't like that sort of help me. But he he did have that look in his eye like, please help me. Like, I'm saved now that I see you. And then poor Yay. Buster's entrails. This is a fucking huge squib shot effect. Well, it's this- all... It's a shotgun. Humongous. And it looks like it's, it, I mean, it's supposed to be all of a sudden, <clears throat> of course, Annie Wilkes is behind him with a shotgun and she blows a huge hole through his chest. Huge. And it's, I think there, aren't there certain, or it's the bullets that explode certain ways, right? Yeah, yeah. I know you can buy all sorts of different shells. Depends which ones you buy. But aren't shotguns known as being Shotgun kind of brutal? Ones, you can have scatter ones that Especially if just you're, fucking go and yeah. spread. And she seemed like close enough range to him that I, it was just a huge hole. It would like enter sort of small, exit big. Huge. Yeah. So uh, I was thinking of the, the, the technical part of it, though. The squib effect. The explosive that they had to yeah. strap to that older man. Put a, like a metal plate, I'm sure, on his chest. And then put the squib on top of that to explode. That bag had to be the size of this fucking notebook. Yeah. With like, I don't know. Four squibs going okay. off at once. Let's chill out here. This <laughs> this old man was probably like he, he was like sixty four. He was not quite at retirement age yet. That's I still think, fucking crazy. Yeah, but he was still a working man. So. Even Tobolowski won't do squib shots anymore. I'm sure he's around the same age. It's because he doesn't want to hurt his beautiful face. No, it's because he got a heart surgery and he's afraid that the squib will affect his heart. Does he have a pacemaker? Something like that. That makes sense. Something like that. I bet he also doesn't have a microwave in his house. Pussy. I bet he's got two. <laughs> I bet it's built in and he yeah, just doesn't let anyone use it. Don't touch the goddamn microwave. I am Steven Tobolowski. You can call Something. me Tobo for short. So uh, he's he's done for. Done for. And, and it sucked. I loved Buster. Buster was a good when character. It happened, when we first watched it and it happened, I was like, God damn it. I wanted that guy. But I want that guy that to have knew, his own stories. But you said that you knew it was going to happen. <clears throat> yeah, I had a feeling. Yeah, I had a feeling. He kind of seemed like he was too good to be true. Like, it made me wonder. Characters like that get killed a lot. I wonder if Buster is in other Stephen King stories. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe even not as a main character, but just as like a. <clears throat> I went me. through a town one time and met a sheriff named Buster. He told me to come this way. You know, Stephen King does shit like Gave that. Gave me all, the all time. that he could muster. <clears throat> he does that all the time. <clears throat> Well, all I know is Richard Farnsworth acted in 92 things. Richard Farnsworth can lick my butt. It looks like he did a lot of like Wild West type stuff. So I don't think that he acted in any other Stephen King movies from the looks of it. I didn't mean him that. I meant his character, Busters. <laughs> oh, okay. Stephen King's story. So th- this is the decision has to be made. It seems obvious to Kathy Bates that, okay, I killed a cop. Because I made this choice to kill this cop, yeah, we both I'll, have to die. Yeah, it's yeah, which is not Should've fair changed. to him. So she's like, "I'm gonna, I put so many bullets. I put two bullets in this gun, one for you, one for me. This is how it has to happen." And he's like, "Give me through the rest of the night. Let me finish writing this book. Let me give misery back to the world, and then what has to happen?" will happen you know case okay, sera sera and one thing that i noticed in this moment is and i don't know if this is intentional i think it might just be like the angles of how they're shooting but it seemed to me i made this note when the characters 
are to seem endearing, there is often a reflection of the lights in their eyes to make them... Uh. It, like, makes them, their eyes look brighter and almost, like, more innocent. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So it's, like, when Put a gleam when Paul Sheldon was trying to appeal to her and, like, convince her, there was this, like, extra twinkle, it looked like. because yeah. And it could have been because he was on the floor and the lights and, like, it, yeah. again. It, it did seem, like, warmer, <laughs> too. And he's, like, and he's, you know, he's, he's like face perks up and he's like kind of smiling and yeah. talking soft i didn't yeah you're right it's just guaranteed i, I guarantee i don't know if it was intentional or like i said if it was just angular but i it it seemed to me that that it seemed like that glow came into his eyes when he felt like he needed to switch out of this crazy mode even though there's a dead cop on the stairs he's like in calm survival mode it's weird like i need to make peace so i can survive correct yeah so she she's like okay uh i'll make you some food (laughs) he's able to just snap her out of it and uh what happens next sam yikes somebody outside hits something with their car <clears throat> so I he writes the book. He does write the book and he takes, I would say a page out of her book because he decides when he is in the basement, he sees that lighter fluid and he puts he it in his pants, it, puts it in the sweatpants and she makes it to where he, she tells him that he has to get himself up the stairs after hobbling his poor feet, which is kind of crazy. Oh yeah. She, true. she just puts the, chair at the top of the stairs and says i'm gonna make i'll make food or whatever i'll make you a meal (laughs) so kind of like you're on your own asshole uh which is interesting but i think it's because she knew that he was able to do more than what she thought he could do like he was getting out and he was like he was more capable than he was was leading on getting out after the hobbling probably not (laughs) but i I think i just i think she was like i'm not gonna fucking drag you out of there even though she put him down there yeah right so who whatever um so he he t- by taking a page out of her book he uh takes what he wrote she's so happy with it and um she gives him what he needs as i said in the beginning his three things his unfiltered lucky strike cigarette his single match stick and his don perignanion and uh, I know how it's pronounced, but she pronounced it weird, and then he purposefully pronounced it how she did to make her feel good. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just, I don't know, I like that, just kind of dumbing down to be like, yes, like he knew what it took after all of this time. It makes you be like, oh, this guy knows what he has to do. This guy understands. Yeah. Uh, so he took that lighter fluid. He laid the book down on the floor. He fucking covered it with the lighter fluid and he held the match up and he had like the last few pages in his hand and he was going to use that to torch it. And he pretty much uh, was like, I'm in control now, bitch. And he lit it on fire and she was like, no. And then she finally swore Sam aside from in the beginning when she was like, I'm not going to go to the store and say blah, blah, blah. When she was complaining about the language 
This is what she calls him his cocksucker. <laughs> she says, <laughs> "I have the quote: I'm going to kill you, you lying cocksucker." And that's when she like pushes him up and like tries to choke him like up against the wall. And yeah, this is suit. this is a fight scene, which is interesting because they are rolling around the floor on top of each other, which means she was able to feel James Conn's penis on her body multiple times filming those scenes. I wonder what that was like. I don't know. He taped it up. It's too big. You can't be letting that thing flopping around. Well, we did talk about tucking things, and, you know, if you're going to have body parts that hang... You got to tape it up. You got to tuck them away. Tape it up. Tuck it away. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure he wasn't free-balling it. I'm sure he wasn't, but I'm sure she could still feel his peener when she's laying on top of him or he's laying on top of her. And that's right. I said peener because I'm a grown woman. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, he takes the burned book pages and shoves it into her mouth and i love that part so much it's very weird it is but it's like it's demented because he's like he's kind of lost his mind at this point he has but he's also he's in survival mode still he has hit her in the head with the um the typewriter Typewriter. i keep wanting to say keyboard and i don't know why but the typewriter because you're a millennial but i'm also aware i had my own typewriter I used it all the time. There's a typewriter in this house still. We're all good. We're cool, bro. So, I, uh, where the fuck am I at? They're fighting. Yeah, because I wrote newspaper in her mouth. Do you think, do you think Jimmy C ever got an erection while rolling around with Kathy Bates? No, I don't. You don't think so? No. You don't think that Annie turned her mom with that sexy aunt look? I think Jimmy Conn is fucking three broads at once in the back of his limo he's not thinking about kathy bates with blood all over her fucking face well what's interesting is the connection that her so he has a book named misery that she loves and she loves it so much that she has a pet pig and she named the pig misery and then in the end when they are struggling and rolling around on the floor and fighting and hitting her with the typewriter didn't kill her it just bloodied up her face he took this it looked like a door stopper, like a heavy door stopper pig, metal pig. Yeah. And uh, hit her in the head. By the way, I did. we didn't mention the part where he just grabbed his pant leg and used his l- leg like it was a dead leg to trip her. <laughs> yeah. That part was great. <laughs> yeah, he uses his own leg as a weapon. That was like a comedic <laughs> yeah. part in, during a fight scene. But yeah, he he does officially uh, beat her face in and kill her, and she like falls on top of him, and she's dead and bloody. She does doesn't she die officially from landing on the typewriter again? I thought she landed on his chest at the at the very end, because they were struggling and he like she was kind of like above him and he like knocked her out when he swung that metal pig. And then she like fell in his chest or something. I don't remember. Uh, remember. I could be wrong. She she dies. (laughs) Yeah, she's dead. And uh, he definitely, we cut to the future. He has released, what's weird, because it seems like he released the book that Annie told him to or something. But I think I watched something like that. But that's not true because he burnt that book that she made him write. So he technically wouldn't have brought misery back. He, because he had a book that looked like he wrote that was something else. So he did go in a different direction, right? At the end, yeah, no, <clears throat> he wrote his own thing. Misery, misery was dead. She was never going to come back. I thought so. 
So okay, guys, I'm, I just got completely. The question is, I saw something incorrect. Is did he write something completely new again, or did he go? I'm going to remember what I wrote that fucking Annie made me burn. I'm not and rewrite sure. it again because I mean that's the way that he makes money and stays famous. But he said that that's like not what he was happy doing, and he didn't want to get stuck doing yeah. that. He wanted to move on to something else. Uh, I'm not saying wrote a misery book again. But she, his publisher, because he's having dinner with her, and she asked if he was going to write his story, and he is not interested in reliving that part of his life and he, writing. Yeah, but what that. I was was. I know. I'm just. I'm not. It has nothing to do with what you said. Okay, but did you get what I was saying? Yeah. I don't remember what I was saying though. I don't either. Why do you care that I got what you were saying if you don't even remember what you were saying? Because I thought I was explaining it and I was in the middle of it and then you switched to something else and then I forgot what it was. Move on, I don't remember. <laughs> I was moving on yeah. and then you told me that I switched to something else. Yeah, because I was making a point about something and then you talked about the other thing and then I was going to go back and now I don't remember and it doesn't matter. Well, nothing that good. you just said was clear, so there's no way to figure out where you were anyway. I know. I, I, I don't care anymore. So I don't cool. think you remember anything. Huh? You don't remember anything. Yes, I do. I remember that that's Clarence and that's Paul. So you're pretty much an invalid. Kind of. Okay. I can agree with that. Um, But when I start to feed you tomato sauce, I mean tomato sauce... Tomato paste. I should just start feeding oh, you tomato paste. I was saying you won't care. I was asking the book that comes out at the <clears throat> end is not a misery book. No, I thought we. Yeah, that's what I was making sure you were cool on too. Yeah, I I brought it up. Okay, yeah. That and it then, wasn't a misery book. Yeah. So I don't. Okay. I don't know what you were making sure I was cool with. I was what confirming, I initially and said. then it switched, and then it got a big convoluted. Me not. I didn't think it was because I thought I was. Con- I confirmed it. It wasn't confirmed to me, and then in the confirmation, it got convoluted, and then I forgot, and now we're doing it again. Well, I'll bring Move up on. way down yeah. syndrome so you can understand. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so it seems like he's suffering PTSD because. It's like a year and a half later, and again, he's not going to relive that part of his life, but then there is a lady in the restaurant bringing a dessert cart, and he imagines her as Annie, but he doesn't seem to get, like, super freaked out. He just has to, like, reset and realizes, like, that's not her. Like, he doesn't, like, his face never looks like he's scared. It's just, like, I now live with this thing because it changed my life forever and he said that he owes his life to annie but like he he really owes his life to annie because there's the obvious like he pulled like he would have died in that car yeah but it's like it was confirmation to go in a different direction by that happening as well it seemed like he, it was validated that it was right to put Misery to bed. Well, he not only and killed away from he it. not only killed Misery in the book, but killing Annie was killing Misery physically. So it's 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 like an added. This is all fucking done, and now I can move on for sure. 
Yeah, even though he'll never totally lose her because she'll always be with him in his nightmares. I'm glad they didn't do that thing, though, where he's like... <gasps> uh, yeah, like I like He sees her at the end. He didn't he just freak understands out. that he knows that I just this happens every once in a while and I know I killed her. And even if it is her, I fucking killed her when my legs didn't work at all. And now I can walk, sort of. So I'll definitely kill that bitch. Yeah, because it's not like he looked away or like was like, huh? No. I needed to do like a double take. It was just kind of like, okay, no. sometimes my mind plays tricks on me. And then, of course, the movie ends with her saying that she is his biggest fan. Yeah. I'm your number one fan. I'm your number one fan. And then, uh, uh, you know, Jimmy Conn's big old beautiful teeth. And the movie's over. So we're we're done with the movie. This is a long podcast. I'm sorry, but you wanted to explain things and not cut corners. So I don't know what are you talking about? Because you told me that I kept skipping over stuff. No, so I, I said we just got things out down. of order. I didn't mean we were skipping stuff. I was like, oh shit, we forgot. Well, no, it actually happened this way. You said that earlier that I skipped a bunch of things. So then I was like, yeah, I thought we didn't want to make this take so long. Oh, I didn't so then <laughs> when you said that, I'll, it was more, it was early. It made me put the brakes on and think, okay, fine. We have to explain everything, which isn't even everything. I feel like we still skipped over a lot of things that like someone who's a diehard fan would have cared more about. Anyway, we're done. This is the part of the podcast where it's time to go over some questions. Sam wants to go to bed He doesn't want to answer any questions Sam wants to go to bed And he wants to sleep and not wake up for work Cause he hates waking up Waking up in the morning sucks It smells Clarence God damn it Stinks Oh it's creeping this way It stinks She's an old rotten dog I think we should just euthanize her, man. Just kidding. I love her. I I just make jokes, but she is riddled with tumors and sores, so it's probably... And fucking stinks. Because she's dying on the inside. So, me, why did I pick this? I wanted to switch it up. We have haven't done anything other than albums for a while. I don't even see him. I just... Cats, man. Um, and I thought it was time for you to see the movie. I feel like there are so many movies that we both probably like. We think are classics. The world may think are classics, but we've never, each of us have never seen. So that was me bringing something to you. You are welcome. Hmm. What do I think you thought before you watched it? Not really much of anything. I don't think you were excited. I don't think you were bummed. I think you're just like, okay, I'm finally going to see this movie, I guess. What was your judgment prior to watching it? No, I really felt nothing. It was just, okay. Okay. Uh, we watched it twice. We always do. Um, I think that this... I forgot to choose least and most favorite characters. It's pretty obvious who your most favorite character is. You yeah, love Buster. Buster. Uh, least favorite character? My guess for you... I'm going to guess this because obviously I know who your favorite character is. But my guess for your least favorite character is the deputy, which is Buster's wife, because you're jealous of her because you love Buster and you want him all to yourself. Incorrect. Sam, who's your least favorite character? My least favorite character is the uh, the, the agent lady. 
the agent publisher, lady. manager, agent lady. Okay, publisher. Yeah, she seems real, like, tight. She's all about money, man. She doesn't understand art. She also doesn't understand what's going on fully. Everything from her is far away, but she's also the one making the connections and calling Buster and getting him involved. So if it wasn't for her, nothing. Yeah. No, she's the least. uh, And she's a nothing. Okay. She's a nothing. So my least favorite character... I assume you. I mean, do you want to guess? Do you care? Uh, least, least favorite character. <clears throat> I'm gonna say your least favorite character is. <clears throat> I don't know. The wife, Liberace. <laughs> Liberace doesn't count. I'm just kidding. The wife. The one that you guessed for me. No, that's not true. And honestly, I haven't really thought of James Conn. My least favorite character is because I think that this movie doesn't have a lot of characters. No. And the characters that are in it are all important because even though you didn't like the publisher lady, I just said, well, she was extremely fucking important. I'm going to say my least favorite character is I don't know his name. But he's that motherfucking state cop who was on TV and they all the reporters were there shooting him and he was wrong about what happened and he wasn't willing to fight as hard as Buster was to save Paul Sheldon. So fuck <laughs> that state cop. I, I, I was going to say, I don't know, some cop or something. <laughs> and I didn't say it. Well, there you go, Sam. I, I would have counted some cop or something. Do you know who my favorite character is? Could you guess? It's not Buster. I'll tell you that. Uh, your favorite character is probably uh, Kathy Bates. No, it's not. Is it James Conn? Paul Sheldon. I think James Conn did a great job in this movie. James Conn. I think that he was able to play her well. I think that he was able to be subtle, but like sarcastic and be kind of like condescending without trying to hurt her feelings and play it off. Like, I just, I think that he. I think he did a good job in the char- as the character. And he's got those teeth, man. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. He's my favorite character. Um, how old was I when I first saw this? I don't know. I was young. It, it was a movie that I knew was a classic. I had heard about it. My dad had it. I watched it. Uh, how did I originally feel about it? I liked it because even though the hobbling scene is in it and it's tough, it's never easy. It's not a gory movie. And I like, I've always liked more thriller type horror. So I've always enjoyed this movie. I don't necessarily think it's like one of the best movies or anything, but it's important. And I think it's done well. I think Rob Reiner did a good job, even though I had no idea he did this movie up until I uh, grabbed the movie to put it in. Would I recommend this today? I would. I still think it's a good movie. I think it holds up. I don't, I, but it depends on what you're looking for. If you, if you're into gory movies and you're like, I want a good horror movie that's up my alley, then I'm probably not going to say you should watch Misery. Honestly, I don't know many situations where I feel like I could realistically recommend this to anyone. So I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to say no. Okay. Like it's not, it's good, but I don't think I feel like I have anyone to really recommend it to. So I'm going to say no. Would you ever watch this movie again? 
Mm, probably. I mean, I don't want to say no, but I don't want to say yes. I think it's fair to say no because it's it's a movie that you're not necessarily going to... I don't think you're going to pick a ton of things up every time you watch it. No, I don't I think, think so either. I think it's pretty straightforward, straightforward yeah. and you get the point. And I think watching it twice in a short amount of time was probably good. Because there are all kinds of good movies that I've enjoyed, but I don't necessarily need to see again because yeah. the whole enjoyment was just seeing it and knowing what happened and then you can move on with your life and watch other things. <laughs> That's how I feel. I don't really make huge connections to a lot of movies anymore like I did, I guess, when I was younger. I don't either. I don't watch it. Yeah, no. I, <clears throat> you I'm things, just connected to the same movies I have been for. I mean, because you've watched some movies lately, years. but you don't watch it thinking like I'm going to potentially love this and I'm going to be like obsessed with it. And that doesn't really happen too much these days. Nope. I'm just still obsessed with the same movies. There it is. <sighs> All right. So we are finished. We are to the part of the podcast where it's time to talk about what's next. And did, uh, did, did we even ask really if I even liked it or not? <laughs> You said the. I thought you said that you liked it at one point. During I don't think this. I ever really felt like I gave my true opinion of the movie. You didn't like spill your guts, but that's your fault. We've been talking for like a long well, time. I was waiting for the. Well, uh, there's never a point where like, I ask you what you like or if you like it or not. I well, ask maybe if for, you watch it again. Uh, I figured yeah. that that's where you'd maybe explain well, I'm, that. Okay, so I'm adding it into that. Maybe in the movies though, we should be like, well, did you just like it? But I should have included it in the. Would you watch it again? I do think it was good. <clears throat> I wish movies were made like this still, where it was slowed down, simple, and uh, but I don't think it's like one of the greatest movies of all time. But it it was good. I enjoyed myself. I enjoyed James Con. Are you glad that you officially saw it? Yeah, yeah. It's nice to. <laughs> it's always nice to check off those classic movies that you haven't seen you know mm-hmm. the kind of movie that's like culturally relevant yeah i there's so many that like i was saying to you when i talked about the idea of doing this podcast it wasn't always the idea of just sharing things that we already like with each other it was also exploring things that neither us neither one of us have either heard or seen before yeah and i brought up like the godfather or schindler's list or whatever so it's it's good that you've just finally seen this since it came out 30 years ago. 30 years ago. Good stuff. All right. So what's next is uh, we're going to have Kirkbag back on the podcast. He gave us an album. Uh, we're going to be. Are you ready for this? Ready for what? The album reveal or ready for Kirk not to talk into the microphone? <laughs> <clears throat> who knows where he gave us a papa roach album called love hate tragedy so that's going to be happening let it be known this is also kirk's last appearance on the podcast <laughs> this is officially his first non-rap entry into the podcast uh, i guess rage can be counted as rap can't uh-huh. it? All right. oh yeah there's some hipping and hopping in the zach de la roja de la roja Rapping and rapping the Roja. All right, so we're out of here. 
Um, I'm going to bring us out with something that I assume is going to be beautiful. And it looks like it might be from a movie, I assume. But it's James Caan singing. Can you turn it up a little bit? Can you eat my asshole? If you would ever ask, yes. <laughs> That's not true. But it's James Caan going to sing us out. Ah, that didn't work out right. Okay, here he is. We're just going to get out of here. Follow us on Facebook if you want to. We're barely active. Uh, sexually, we're completely inactive. When it comes to eating sweet things, we're very active. So we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Sit on my face, James Caan. You 80-year-old beautiful man. Well, I'm, well, I'm tired.